1: all right here we go welcome to cast and crank podcast guys we have a uh, great guest today Evan Salve what's going on (laughs) (laughs) we're here (laughs) Uh, so Evan I know before I met anyone because when I first started calico bass fishing I would type in had a calico bass fish inshore fishing calico and he had his videos dude so I feel like that's a you got a lot of popularity from the YouTube thing and uh, man he's really moved up in the fishing world and uh, jumped to different uh, types of fishing and done really good and everything man so uh, let's talk about your start when you're little till uh, maybe you got into the saltwater bass. Wow, um, well, I did not grow up in a fishing family,
0: you know. And I think a lot of people uh, they get their entrance into the fishing world, you know, usually via a parent. And now I did have an uncle who was a very avid fisherman. My uncle Bennett, he's got a boat up in Avalon, or not Avalon, excuse me, uh, in in Oxnard, Channel Island Harbor, up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really utilize that until I kind of got my my introduction or my start, but I'll tell you how it started. Um, There was a small bookstore uh, in New Hampshire, actually. My family has kind of a second house in New Hampshire because I was actually born in Boston, and and my parents went to school in New Hampshire. So when we moved out to L.A., when my dad got a job out here—
1: how old were you when you moved out here? Moved
0: out here when I was like 5. Okay. So, so you yeah, remember I mean, now, now a little bit. I remember a little okay. bit, but we kept our roots out there. We used to spend all of July in New Hampshire at a place called Lake Sunapee, which is, you know, in kind of central southern central New Hampshire. Um, a beautiful lake, a large lake, you know, great fishing in it, bass, perch, rockfish, sunfish, kind of the 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 whole spectrum of of freshwater targets. Um and I was kind of going through that phase, which I think a, a lot of Young young men and young women go through, which is, hey, what what do I want to do with my life? Right? I mean, Makes do I sense. want to be like a, a football player? Do I want to be like a baseball player? You know, <laughs> do I want to do I want to do trading cards or, or play video games? You know, and and I I think that you know for a certain kind of of young man or, or young woman, you go through a little bit of like an early life crisis where you're trying to figure out what you're passionate about, and you, and maybe your parents are kind of pushing you in a direction, maybe you're pushing yourself in a direction and and i remember at the time i kind of i kind of went through a lot of different things because i've always been a, a passionate person who likes to have like kind of pet projects who likes to have kind of a driving centralizing force in my life so i think uh the summer before the summer that i kind of got into fishing or discovered fishing i should say I think I had gone through literally like a marbles phase <laughs> where I thought I could like flick marbles better than every other kid on the beach. I'll make some opinion. Hey, it's fun though. I love right? doing the same shit, man. I, I remember mm. vividly that I was like an amateur geologist for a little while. <laughs> and I was like walking through my backyard, actually here in Southern California, like splitting rocks open with a hammer saying like, wow, I found like a leaf fossil, you know? Um, but I remember vividly, uh, when I walked into a small bookstore and on the shelf was the World Encyclopedia of Sport Fishing, a book. I think that's what it was called. It was a giant, you know, hardback book um, and it was like published in Europe. So like half of the information in it was like a catching bream and carp in like England, you know, <laughs> but it had found its way to New Hampshire. And I remember I, I got the book and I read it back to back. Over the course of the summer and the first summer I went and bought like a spin casting setup. And this is back in Boston. I mean, I'm like ten years old, you know, eleven years old. Oh, okay. So you started
1: this is fresh more. Okay. Started
0: freshwater. And then, you know, the summer after that I came back from New Hampshire and and now we're spending our our winters and springs back in in California and I have school. So now I I bought myself like a little spinning setup because I'm learning what all these things mean and I'm trying to navigate this fishing landscape, which I really don't understand because again my dad doesn't fish. I'm not really getting like some sort of immediate family exposure to it, um, but over the you know the first two or three years, I just kind of remember incrementally working myself further and further into that rabbit hole, right? So you get the spin cast rod. Now you have a spinning rod, and about that time, I'm saying like, wait, my uncle fishes on the ocean. Dad, can we please go fishing with Uncle yeah, Bennett dude. because here's like an opportunity to get out on a boat, you know? So now I'm buying my first conventional outfit, uh, and it kind of it kind of snowballed from there. Um, I remember my dad used to drop me off down at, in Redondo, in Redondo Beach at Redondo Sport Fishing, the old Green Pier there, and he would drop me off on his way to work every morning at like 5.30 a.m., and, and I'd either buy a ticket. Originally, I would just buy a ticket to jump on the special or the city of Redondo, uh, and then I remember uh, eventually one of the people who worked in the office said, hey, like, there's something you can do. It's called pinheading, right? So you don't pay for a ticket, but you're going to have to cut squid strips and uh you're gonna have to scrub the boat and do all the all the things that the deckhands you know want to kind of schlep yeah. off on on a younger guy and i was like wow this is like a, a really cool opportunity i'm so excited and i was so nervous right i mean it is <laughs> as a young as a young man i mean it's terrifying to walk down that ramp and like go knock on the captain's door and be like hey like can i be a pinhead for you you know <laughs> and, <laughs> that's like a terrifying thing for a yeah, young, young man to do <laughs> but i think i uh, i kind of built up the courage to do it and and that was the next few years for me. That was that was kinda how I got my introduction to And the, this is at what age? This is when I was probably I think I was in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. So okay. I'm like uh in middle school. Right? Uh-huh. Maybe eleven. Summertime. 12, this yeah. is what you're doing all summer. Summertime. Um and so I started on the Redondo special. Um and then I was on the city of Redondo. You know, I did a couple summers just doing that. Uh the old Rocky Point out of out of Redondo Harbor as well, eventually. And I think that at this point I'm you know maybe in, in in late middle school early high school doing it as like a summer thing okay now I remember i used to i used to ride my bike i would leave I, I grew up in Palos Verdes kind of at the top of the hill there and i used to i used to ride my bike i would leave at like 3:30 a.m. and i would ride my bike all the way down PV and all the way to Redondo um you know get there at like you know, half hour, forty five minutes later, it was all downhill. You would cruise down, you know, scream down that hill. <laughs> Maybe have like, you know, your your, your new old two twenty and you know, a little eight foot glass rod like strapped behind you, you yeah. know, okay, I'm gonna go fish today. Uh and then I'd ride back home every night, you know. Um, and that was like my my early teens. Um You know, I think that as a as a young as a young angler who's trying to insert yourself into the professional fishing fold, uh-huh. uh, you have to spend some time on sport boats. Um because I think sport boats are the best avenue to learn how to fish technically proficient, right? I think it teaches you how to, how to hold a rod, you know, how to how – to, just by emulating even, maybe –
1: Even better than just going out shore going pounding out, or dock absolutely, flipping, yeah, absolutely. sport boats, because you would think. Yeah.
0: California fishermen have like a really unique style, right? Uh-huh. There's, there's a culture around it. There's kind of a lingo and there's, there's like a, a technical element of it that's very unique that you don't really see emulated anywhere else in the world. Uh, in and that, in that, that style – was birthed from the sport boat scene right mm-hmm. like how to cast a conventional rod like how to how to th- how to throw a jig stick you know how to put a load in the jig stick how to hold it properly so you don't look like a kook you know like <laughs> these are things that are going to be ingrained in your head by like somebody who's way older than you saying you look like a kook like this is not how you do it right
1: makes sense yeah
0: and 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 that's something that you're only going to get at a young age on a sport boat or if you're lucky enough to have like parents who yeah who dad understand exactly dad. but yeah. if you don't you need like kind of those father figures that you're going to find on a sport boat deck to show you that, you know? Um, now, due to my proximity to the ocean via kind of the landing via Redondo, that's when you started to kind of walk around the docks and fish pass, right? Mm-hmm. So you're down there every day. You know, you get off the boat, you want to go fish the harbor for an hour. Oh, and the small halibut are biting. And this is like before we even really understood what a spotted bay bass was, right? I mean, Redondo is not a, a world-class spotted bay bass fishery. Now, there's some huge fish in it, but it's not It's not like a, a Newport, like an old Newport or an Alamitos or a Huntington, which is more synonymous with like catching big yeah. bay bass out of Or San Diego, God forbid. <laughs> um, but we used to catch, you know, these like giant three-pound sand bass, you know, three-and-a-half pounds, or spotted bay, spotted bay bass, excuse me. And you really didn't even understand, like, the caliber of this fish. You would look at him and be like, wow, that's a nice bass. Looking back on it, it's like, wow, these are the biggest bay bass that I probably ever saw in my life. Um, but I started walking the docks there when I was, like, you know, 13, 14, 15 uh, with, my, with my good buddy, Jared Millat, who who now runs the Gale Force. I had wow, a sand that's there, a, that's fucking awesome. With man, Jeff I, Walker, who now uh, runs the Native Son. Um, and you guys
1: both, grew, like, kind of grew up together. It's yeah. It's like, kind of cool, like, to both of you are at a... Different spots and doing kind of what you love. Well,
0: see, the thing is, these kids were more so birthed into the industry than I was. Dad, Jeff's dad ran the special. Um, okay. Jared's dad was an avid fisherman. So these guys were like, they were a fixture on the dock, right? And now, like, these are my friends now because fishing is my life. As a young adult, I've taken to fishing as, like, my, my driving passion in life. So these are my friends now. You know, these are your fishing friends. Yeah. These are the kids who you spend after school with. And you spend your weekends with either on the boat or running around the harbor, running away from, you know, Harbor <laughs> patrol, you know, hopping the fences, catching small bass and little halibut and spotties and whatever else. Bonita, you know, Redondo Harbor, Bonita. We used yeah. to catch Bonita all the time. Major, heard, man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I did that for a little while. And then when I was 15 years old, uh, I got an opportunity to, actually spent a summer in Avalon at Catalan Island uh, and worked for my, my friend John King, well my uncle's friend John King, uh-huh. uh, who who owned at the time and still does own to a to a slightly different degree fish uh, efficient autos charters out in Avalon. So I, I took that opportunity, I believe I was fourteen or fifteen years old, and I and I ended up like finding Just like a random room at somebody's house that I could rent, you know, for like $500 a month. I think my dad helped me pay for it. You know, like, hey, let's go out there. This will be a good extracurricular summer activity. You know, I'm going to send you out here. I'm like, oh, this is so exciting, you know. Uh, So I went out there and I spent the summer in Avalon. Now, here's the thing. The summer I spent in Avalon, I think it was like 2008 or 2009, right? I think it was 2009, Economic crash. Economy sucked. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted to fish, you know? What's the first thing that, like, kind of your, your casual fisherman throws away? Or you're, you're just an average person. You throw away your leisure activities when the money gets tight, Fishing. right? Yeah. Fishing, you know? As a tourist, it's harder to justify spending, you know, $1,200, $1,300 to go catch some fish, you know? Um, so it was a real slow summer. Uh, we didn't work as much as I was hoping to, but I was out there and I was in the world. And then uh, one day... Kind of as 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 the charter season was winding down, you know, in late August, uh, I had an opportunity from from Captain Mike Arujo on a boat called the Vertigo, who just kind of pulled me off the fuel dock there in Avalon and said, "Hey, do you want to come fish a marlin tournament?" Uh, So I took that, and I kind of went out and initially not knowing enough to be like a full, you know, deckhand. I was the guy who like cooked cheese and cracker <laughs> plates, you know, and I was really <laughs> proud of the fact that I could make a really good cheese and cracker plate yeah. and then present it to these wealthy boat owners and, and, you know, business magnets who were back there <laughs> like using linen line and in Dacron to, to compete in these Avalon tuna club tournaments. Wow. Um, so from there, I kind of skewed away from, from the sport boat thing, uh, and actually kind of geared my professional, um, the professional element of of my sport fishing life towards more of the private yacht work, you know, Mm -hmm. and I worked with Mike for the next few summers uh, on various boats that he ran, you know, and and did some Cabo transit runs and, uh, you know, got, got more exposure into the other side of, of, kind of that fishing world, right? So now you're leaving California. Now you're going yeah. south. You know, oh I'm in Mag Bay for the first time. I'm in Connect for man. the first time.
1: At a young age to yeah, experience so that's age. super cool.
0: It was cool. And then well unfortunately what happened though is is after those first summer two we, we hit a really bad period in California offshore fishing where there was like no marlin, right? So we saw a huge contraction in the Southern California Marlin scene where all the money tournaments kind of dried up and disappeared. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for for a couple of years, like there was virtually no Marlin being caught and it. And it really hurt that side of the industry. And it kind of evaporated, uh, I guess, what I I would call like my opportunity to like progress in that age period in that industry. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I still can't. I'm in school, right? I'm still a young man. I can't just like fly down to Cabo and live down there,
1: right? I You're in high, school, high school, right? I'm in high school, right? Yeah, you still got to go to school every day. But on the, the summer,
0: week. The, the summer opportunities kind of evaporate a little bit yeah. in, in that professional world. Um, and that's, I think, where uh, after that first summer when I was working with Mike, actually, I, I met a guy named Bert Vigil, um, who used to take me out. He would take me out on in his 17 foot Boston Whaler, right? And it was a really cool boat had a ninety horsepower mercury outboard and he used to come pick me up in Avalon and kind of take me under his wing and we'd go fish around uh, we'd go fish around Catalina and I remember we spent a day like dragging jigs around the two seventy seven trying to catch like a Marlin. <laughs> um, and then he sold his boat and it kinda of came up and Lo and behold, we ended up actually buying the boat. So that was like my first little boat to play around on.
1: Yeah, uh, was
0: a seventeen foot Boston Whaler, two thousand four, seventeen foot Boston Whaler, which is Boston
1: an Whaler. awesome fucking boat. It's, right? it's kind of like
0: your quintessential <laughs> starter boat yeah. in California, yeah. right? Like a seventeen Whaler, it's like an absolute classic, a Montauk, you know, and uh, you can do everything in it. You know, it's a gr- it's a great little boat, you know, for for a for a young man. I mean, I couldn't ask for, like, a cooler situation. All of a sudden, like, I had the freedom of the ocean, you know? I can now do it on my own terms. And uh, that's when I started really fishing, like, the saltwater bass stuff and trying to insert myself into that world a little bit more. So
1: at this age, when you started competing SWBA, uh, how old were you, 16, 17? I think I was, like, 17.
0: Okay. Probably about seventeen. So you're almost
1: eighteen. You almost weren't, you eighteen. Were, so you weren't as young. People probably thought you were. I was young. I was a late developer. I was a really late bloomer. But people thought you were probably like fourteen. But oh, totally.
0: Really yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had a very like, hey guys, you yeah, we're going bass fishing today. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was a late bloomer. And hey, as I was all a, I can
1: remember from you is quality models, bro. Yo, it's a it's a chunker of chunks,
0: <laughs> you know. I, did, I mean, there's quotas Well, stuff. dude,
1: yeah. I mean, the videos people fucking yeah. watched them. Dude, they're cool. Well, you know,
0: <laughs> I, I was I was I was a late bloomer, you know. And I uh, I think fishing gave me kind of a, a centralizing and a grounding force that I wasn't finding in other aspects of my life. And I think that's one of the reasons why I gravitated so much towards fishing uh, is because, like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I got bullied in school a little bit more than your average kid, you know. Fishing was like that escape, you know, fishing was something that I could do, something where I could put myself out there and assert myself in a way that, that I guess felt proper and, you know, felt like it was productive and it was a good usage of time as a, as a young man. And, uh, it was, it was a good distraction from, from the other things that can be trying for for a young man, you know, and, uh, I think uh, if I wasn't kind of a later bloomer, I don't know if fishing would have played the same role in my life. You know, if I was more more involved with you know sports, sports or, something or something like that, if yeah. I was like a big kid who was on the football team, I would never have been like fishing. Fishing would never have like encompassed as much of my life. But it was it was something. It, it was a really good outlet for me. It was a really important thing for me, and and I think it gave me the purpose that I, I really needed at that point in my life. It gave me confidence. It gave me a, an opportunity to to you know feel like i could succeed you know as as a young man feel like i had something that was special for me at that point in my life you mm-hmm. know um, when i w- entered into the into the saltwater bass fish, fishing world i think it was kind of the heyday of saltwater bass fishing i think we were looking at like peak saltwater bass fishing wow. you know this was a time when uh you know the tournaments were drawing like 70 80 teams you know and it was just the SWBA back then um, I think it was before everybody started like wrapping their boats and throwing the jerseys on. Like it was right on like yeah. the cusp of that.
1: It was still punk rock. Huh? It was still
0: kind of punk rock, yeah. but I think it was like popular punk rock in a sense. Where I think it was honestly, you want to know the truth? It was like before the infighting started. <laughs> Not serious. I mean, it was like, well, the like go- hey, it was from the a, golden age.
1: Hey, if you don't mind talking yeah. about, you can talk about that, yeah. dude. If you want to talk about your experience through the whole SWBA and you know what you saw.
0: Well, everybody was unified under one banner, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if if you were to draw an analogy to like ancient warfare, right? Like the houses hadn't split off yet, Game you know, of Thrones, Game of bro. Thrones. You know, <laughs> this was before, you know, this was before the continent fractured, you know, into, into dividing forces who all wanted the throne. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this was this was when everybody was kind of still still in it to, together, you know. Um, and I really got to thank a lot of people in saltwater bass fishing. Cause a lot of people, um, I think they, they played kind of like a father, fatherly role in my life. You know, and my dad has always been extremely supportive. I mean, my dad has been amazing for me in my career. And, and I think I haven't always acknowledged that as much as I should have. He's been a really, really important role. That's in awesome. My life. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of other men who, who, who were very strong figures in my life, you know, guys like John Cooch, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of my best friends in, in saltwater bass fishing was, uh, was Matt Koch, fish painter. Great guy, uh, dude. Great guy. I, I, yeah. I spent many, many times, many nights on the phone with him trying to like, navigate like, the tumultuous aspects of it, right? Like trying to figure out what the right thing to do was. Um, trying to figure out how I could assert myself and, and put myself out there in a way that wasn't going to like ostracize my peers. I've always been like an outspoken person, you know? And I yeah. think as when I was younger, probably to to a degree that wasn't as refined as it is now, you know? Like, dude, I'm I'm 17. I lived like a somewhat sheltered life, right? And I'm I still trying to figure out what the hell too, I'm doing, you At know? that
1: age at 17, I'm running my fucking mouth all the time. You're only you're 17, totally. you're young. Dumb, you know, full of cum, bro, dude. <laughs> you I'm know, like, totally, I mean, so you long. know, like your your testosterone is like you're like fuck everything, fuck everyone. I mean, you so like It makes sense, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. You know, exactly. Like,
0: and and like yeah, I'm 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 like a I'm a, I'm a young kid, you know, who who's getting like kind of thrust into this adult world, and and I'm trying to figure out how to like how to exist and how to be like respectful, but also, you know, like be true to myself and, and how to be like aggressive and, and want something right. And, and want to put yourself out there and succeed while simultaneously not doing it in a way that's going to like, you know, isolate you from your peers. And, and there was really challenging periods in the first few years of like my adult fishing career for sure.
1: You know? Yeah. And you're a young guy dude doing well. Right. I mean, yeah. people probably aren't going to like that much either. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. Yeah. No. I mean, you know uh, when you're when you're uh like I've said a million times, I fish with Seth. He's 22. I'm fucking 39. I could be his dad. 38. But meeting a dude that's well spoken is just, like Seth, I don't consider him like a 22 year old. He talks, yeah. you know like some of oh, these I guys know, so you a smart know, kid. and you yeah. talk to them and they're like, "Oh man, you you feel like you're 30 something years old, but you're you know." And and that I'm sure that's hard to to talk to older guys when they're kind of set in their ways and you're a young kid, you're a young kid. You, like you said, you know, like
0: as a young adult, one of the hardest things to really wrap your head around is the concept of time. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So you're sitting here and saying like, I want to have everything right now. I want the respect right now. You know, I want to, I want to win right now. And it's hard to look at it and say maybe in five or six years, it's okay to like use the next 5 or 6 years as like a developmental period to build and then your to foundation to really arrive exactly in 5 or 6 years, right? As a as like a 17, 18, 19 year old, you're like I want it now. I want the respect now. I want to have the sponsors now. I want to win now. You want to believe that you're like exceptional um, but maybe it's going to take you a little bit of time to really settle into that, right? It's going to take you some time. Now, make no mistake about it. I've been on a fishing crusade for the last like 10, 15 years, like an absolute fishing crusade. This has been my life. Yeah. I mean living and breathing it obsessively at times, all right, way beyond what would be like considered normal or appropriate <laughs> at times, okay? And it's had like an, an, a, a, an ill impact on my life at, at times, right? It hasn't been a good thing at times. It's been a very consuming thing for me. I always knew that I was going to succeed at it because that's just my personality. I'm somebody who's who's very, very, very driven and obsessively driven about things. And I'm going to like, I will get there. Um, But as like as a young adult, you know, we're operating at the time around guys who knew a lot more than I did. And at the time, you know, when you're young, you, you can't always accept that, right? Like these guys do functionally have more experience fishing than you. Yeah. But you still want to view yourself and put yourself out there, like. As an equal, as an even player in this field, um, if only I knew then what I know now, right? If I looked at some kid who was coming up below me, you know, saying, I'm the best yellowtail fisherman in the world. And
1: you know you probably had those guys chirping in your ear, but you just – you um, were too young to maybe hear sometimes, right?
0: I, well, you know what? I got a lot of really bad advice too. For Did every you? For every guy who was like, <laughs> hey, this is the right thing to do, yeah, make no mistake about it. There was a lot of people who gave me absolutely terrible advice knowing I would have listened because they wanted to see the Facebook feed burn. And a lot of those people have been on your show.
1: Oh, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> being on the phone with people and being, hey, what, what should I do? I don't know. I'm, what do you think I should write? What should I do? Write this. Do this. And looking back on it, it was terrible advice. And, and they knew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they were happy to see the Facebook feed burn because they knew that Evan would go and write this, you know, and he'd write it all flowery and he'd, and he'd write like a five paragraph thing going after some other guy and it would look real bad on Facebook, you know, and I played right into it, you know, <coughs> so so you, so you write the, the, the essay, you know, you write your thesis statement and maybe it's not going to play as well when I read it back now. But I really believe that the time like, hey, I think this is from my heart. This is what I feel. You know, I'm just I'm just being confident. I'm putting myself out there. Um, I wish there's, there was many times when I really wish that, that people who I really truly trusted and considered friends, uh, would have, would have given me better advice, frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, I hope that if I'm put in a position where I can give advice to somebody younger than me, uh, I'll do the right thing, you know, and, and I'll, and I'll give advice, um, grounded around the idea of truly helping somebody and not just like like I said, kind of watching the feed What
1: about, so that's, that's shitty man. But what about some of the guys that have been on the show that have been a impact on you or some guys, saltwater bass guys yeah. that, you know,
0: there's an, and I want to, I want to kind of emphasize something. Uh, there's people who, who I view and say, I, I feel like this person might have wronged me. But yeah. those people also at times help me. It's not an exclusive thing. So maybe
1: at the time. At the time. They, they were wronging people you. People make
0: mistakes. I've made so many mistakes in this industry. Oh, I can't dude. even count them all. Countless <laughs> mistakes. I'm telling you. I mean, countless. There's probably nobody in the fishing industry who has messed up more than I have, you know, to an extent. I'm somebody who really tries to learn from my mistakes. I try not to make them twice, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I've been like a a visually, I've been somebody who's been like in a visual sense in this fishing world for a very long time. And I grew up in it, you know, every mistake that I made as a young adult, I made it like in a public way. A lot of times I made that mistake, literally typing it out on Facebook. You know what I mean? I am typing this mistake out and I'm immortalizing this mistake. You know, it's a tough way to learn your lessons. It's Mm -hmm. a tough way to learn your lessons. Um, Guys like Mike Lane, Scotty P, they were good people in my life. Yeah. You know, they brought me into their family life. So when I when I didn't have a lot of friends, they were my friends. And and I, in, in over the last few years as my career's kind of skewed away from saltwater bass fishing, uh, a lot of those relationships have I haven't seen a lot of these people and talked to them as yeah. much as I could have. You know, I moved to San Diego, I'm in Cabo. And and I haven't always been good at maintaining relationships over long periods of time, you know? I'm kind of a private person nowadays. You know, I, I don't put myself out there. As Do fun.
1: you feel like you're private now because of all the Internet and uh, social absolutely. media? Like it kind of it kind of jaded you. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, I mean, there was times when when, you know, when I was reading things, you know, and like on the verge of tears, you know. Like, this is like, this is like, this is like hurtful stuff, you know, cause you want to be liked, you know, you don't want to be a hated person. You don't want You don't want to be making the wrong decision. That doesn't feel good. Nobody wants that. Yeah. You know, there was times when, when I was a little older it, it, where, where I would, you know, you call these people on the phone and say like, bro, like stop talking about me, bro. Like straight up. Like what are, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know, like straight up. Like this is a 45 year old man. And you're sitting on like Facebook right now, just like baiting, you know, you want this, like who, oh, who wants this? Fuck. And you know what? There was times when I was like going to be up there and like, you shouldn't kill a cow go bass. And this is why, you know, or like you're wrong. And, and maybe I wanted it too, you know, Yeah. cause we're all feeding off the drama a little bit, but now I look back on it and say, man, like what were, what was anybody doing? Why do we want this? Yeah, but it's like the fatalistic nature of humanity.
1: It's, I guess it's when you bring competition into something too. Uh, Everyone, everyone gets competitive.
0: No, people just get bored. (laughs) I'm serious. People get bored. What else are you doing? You're sitting at home. You're, you're you're like, you're spending hours of your day. If you're somebody who like is is commenting on everybody's post on Facebook and Instagram, that is hours of your day. Make no mistake. Oh, dude, you don't get me
1: wrong. Like doing this podcast, I'm like. I fuck my personal Instagram, post maybe once every, you know, a little yeah. while. But with the podcast, I go, okay, I try to promote everyone that comes on the show, you know, like yeah. it's promoting, it's promoting, you know, no, totally. I don't need to tell I you, know. you fucking know. I think you tell do me.
0: a good job with it, you know, but Move you're this. getting lots of voices.
1: Move the mic up a little. Oh, there, oh we. there you go. Yeah.
0: I mean, you get a lot of different contrasting voices and that's yeah, important.
1: Yeah. And I'm, that's what we're trying to do and uh, having you on was, yeah. was really good. Thanks for coming on. No, again. I'm, I'm really happy yeah. to
0: be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: But, but let's uh, dive back into the saltwater bass. So yeah. let's talk about your, your kind of uh, – you moved through the saltwater bass. Do you, yeah. how, do you have a couple wins in there?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know what? I I have the second largest SWBA bag of all time.
1: Second? Yeah. I caught, got yelled at for not saying the first. The no, biggest. What was the we second? Caught,
0: we, we held the record for like 10 minutes until, until Facedown Bass so caught the, the first. You know? like <laughs> yeah. Of all the nights to like uncork like a 32-pound bag, it Dude, had to be on the night yeah. when somebody corked on the, like, the 35-pound bag, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I'm like the chronic second and third place loser, like, right? you know? But uh uh I never won an S R B A event. No. I, I, I wish I would have. But I mean I placed I mean I got plaques over the wall. Yeah. Um, big bass. I too. won I won a West tournament. I won the first oh, ever you? West series tournament.
1: That's nice. Yeah, it was cool. We won we won a tournament up in Marina del Rey. Um that's so towards the when you stopped competing, when like why did you stop competing? you just done with it or
0: Saltwater bass fishing was kinda like done with it. Really? I feel like saltwater bass fishing just you know honestly man
1: You got so I'm when I'm asking you these <sighs> yeah, questions I mean, I'm coming from a no. point of view I'm everything you're talking about like as a kid it, reading books yeah. I'm doing that at fucking yeah, it, 30 it, years old with a with a 5 year old I'm pitching this course, <laughs> course. <laughs> you know like so I'm yeah. asking you like to me it's brand new like or I'm like wide-eyed like yeah. with music anything else so I'm kind of like wondering did you just like Kind of like you know I was
0: I, just over it. Yeah, I just felt like I hit a wall with it. You did know? you
1: leave more because of the drama? Like, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, oh, not because of the fishing, but the not drama. Because, I
0: mean, but I did listen in 2014, 2015. I mean, fishing kind of shifted, and professionally, I had to shift with it.
1: Mm-hmm. See, I'm
0: somebody who makes a living fishing. Mm-hmm. I have made a living fishing my entire life. This is this is my job. You know, it's not like I'm not somebody you know manages a restaurant by day and then like plays like the pseudo professional fishing game by night. Like no, I'm I'm like a full time professional fisherman.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: make 100 percent of my living fishing. So, and you can't really make a living saltwater bass fishing.
1: Oh, I don't. You yeah. can't.
0: I mean, there's no illusions about it. There was a point in saltwater bass fishing where everybody kind of almost thought they were going to be able to, right? Like, that's the point when everybody started wrapping their boats and, and throwing the sponsor jerseys on and stuff like that. Because everybody kind of thought that, hey, like, maybe this is a really cool thing that's going to get some nationwide traction or at least like heavy regional traction. And maybe the sponsors are going to start like really paying us. And and maybe the, the, the winnings are going to go up, you know? But it never really did. It, it really never did. It looked really cool for a couple seasons, you know? Everybody looked really professional. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like, at the I really did feel at the time like, hey, maybe we're on the cusp of something really, really, really cool. Uh, and that's when saltwater fishing, bass fishing imploded.
1: Why it, do you think it imploded at It the imploded
0: time? because everybody fractured off into like three different groups, mm. you know? And the thing is, all these guys, what really happened in... in, in Listen, all these different tournaments could have totally existed, but there's something called banning people, which should be reserved for when you cheat or do something terribly heinous. And it started being like, I'm going to ban you because you're not fishing my baits. I'm going to ban you because you're talking and friends with this guy and fish with this guy, or because you're supporting this series and not my series. And it became so partisan and fractured that it was impossible for saltwater bass fishing to fix itself because all the most influential players in this game are so fractured... And so partisan that they can't even take a phone call from each other anymore, you know, and these are guys who fished together, you know, they fished on the same boats dozens of times, maybe hundreds of days, you know, all these guys were friends, they drank beers together, you know, and I feel like there was like the inkling of money that started to get involved in it. And people got really, like, competitive. And then the SBS and the SDBA, people kind of split off there. And then the West series came. And now you've got another group of people who are going to split off over there. Mm -hmm. And now because you're supporting the West or you're supporting SDBA or SBS, you can't fish the other two tournaments. And I think it did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of harm. It's like, look at Scotty and Mike, right? Scotty and Mike, for, for, for like, a year or two, were, like, winning – half the tournaments they were fishing and maybe it was a product of like the fishing cycle, right? Like they were like big on like the fast wine, yeah, swim bait fishing. That's what we talked about when they that on. was at its heyday. Right. So they were on that trend when that trend was in and when the fish were eating it real good and they had it dialed in and locked in into the islands. So they could throw up like that 20, 25 pound bag every single day. And like in saltwater bass tournaments, if you put a 25 pound bag on a scale, you're usually going to win the tournament. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, I mean, sometimes somebody's going to do like a 28 or a 30 plus plus. But like realistically, you get like 25, 26 pounds, you're in really, really good shape. Yeah. Even though like some guys are going to go out there on their fun days and be like, yeah, I caught a 40-pound bag today. <laughs> when, when the money was on the line, it's a 25-pound bag, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and now they're banned from competitive the tournament bass fishing. What, are you going to ban Kevin Van Dam from BASS because he's winning? Those guys never cheated. So why are they being banned? because they disagreed with the tournament director yeah i I don't know
1: anything about and 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 i don't think anybody really knows
0: all the reasons because a lot of it's just personal stuff and who knows what was said behind closed doors who knows what was said via text or over the phone you know but at the end of the day it became one of these things where like you're not even sure who you can be friends with if you want to stay in the good graces of the people who are running this whole conglomerate right and it was just i felt like it was a weird thing You know, and I was probably right there in there like trying to figure, you know, maybe I was part of that problem. I don't know. You know, looking back on it, maybe at the time, you know, maybe I was one of the guys who was taking, you know, showing my allegiance to one group instead of the other group, you know, and pumping up one instead of the other. I I can't even really remember. Uh, But the whole batch of it was wrong, in my opinion. And I think that a lot of those guys fixed it. You know, SBS and SDBA came together. You know, I think that a lot of those ill feelings have been fixed and... And and I'm not saying any of these things to detract from the really no, good work no. that these guys put into it. You know, Eric Bent, James Shannon, these guys, like, were pioneers in saltwater bass fishing. Make no mistake about it. Absolute pioneers. Jerry Mayhew, pioneer. Yeah. You know?
1: And great freshwater. Great. In too. I mean, these are, yeah.
0: are, are world-class fishermen, right? Don't get me wrong. Um, I think everybody's somewhat culpable. I think there was a lot of opportunities when all the players could have come together and said, Hey, guys, like... Would stop the bleeding for the sake of the sport. It's never recovered. Yeah, it hasn't because it just it, it just became weird. You know, it was like a weird vibe. <clears Like throat> people don't want to have to be like choosing their allegiances. That's such a weird vibe. You know, like showing up somewhere and not knowing if you can like shake a guy's hand. You know, <laughs> like it's it's just bizarre. It's got to be impartial. Tournaments have to be run in an impartial manner. You cannot uh, insert your personal like opinions towards a competitor into your tournament series ever. Because then you lose all your legitimacy. You know, I, I, I fish these million dollar tournaments. I fish tournaments where you have to pay $100,000 to enter a Fuck, tournament. Fuck, man. You think that everybody fishing those tournaments likes each other? You think that the tournament directors like every you know, $2 million boat that lines up at the shotgun start? Yeah. No, of course not. There's, there's protests that get filed. There's all kinds of drama at those tournaments. But nobody's going to put up with it at that level unless the stuff's clean. You know, these are like, these are the like peak capitalist, successful people. These guys make mills, you know, these are like some of the most successful, like people in the business world in their communities, right? And they're entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, big money people. They don't want to deal with this crap. They deal with it every day. They're down there to, to throw some big money around and fish. They want their stuff run clean. And if it's not run clean, people get pissed. You know, it's just... Saltwater bass fishing got caught in a weird place where they didn't want to know if they wanted to be like a truly legitimate tournament scene or if they wanted to be kind of like a club, you know? Yeah. Do you want this to be like a social scene or a competitive <clears throat> scene? Because you can't really have both. You either have to run it like a business and run it like to the book, you know? Or you can run it like it's like a social thing and then you can like exile people from your social group, you know? But you can't have both. You're not going to have a series that's going to be like, Financially lucrative for the competitors, where the sponsors are going to be like, This is stable, this is a good investment for me to come in and support this, but then be banning people for like a reason that doesn't even have a reason, you know, yeah. because they said something, whatever, you know, you just can't do that. You got to play it by the book, absolutely.
1: So, what What age did you kind of stop fishing? Uh, yeah, I think 2014. 2014. 2014 okay,
0: and then 2015 was like the start of El Nino, okay, so okay, like, and this is th- <laughs> so young anglers who came up in this industry between the years of 2014 and now are definitely the luckiest people who have like ever lived you know like <laughs> this has been a great fishing season yeah dude totally yeah this has been fantastic so you're you're and this is where some more of that animosity comes in you got a guy who's been in, who's been grinding it out in this fishing world for 40 years Never seen a 200-pound tuna in his life, mm-hmm. you know? Never seen a 200-pound bluefin off the east end of Catalina, certainly, right? Uh, and now all of a sudden, you got, like, these 16-year-old kids on their skiffs out there catching, like, a 200-pound tuna. <laughs> Crazy, right? right? thinking they're the best tuna uh, fishermen that I've ever lived, you know?
1: So you're thinking that's luck. <laughs> you
0: know,
1: well, yeah, I mean, luck I mean, the because of El, El Nino. Nino yeah. Thing,
0: you know? Yeah. El Nino was done in 2016. Everything we've seen since then is a different kind of program, right? Like... El Nino was great. Twenty fifteen was an incredible year, and I bought my first bigger boat. Then I bought my twenty nine foot Crystal Liner, the Hawk. There, then in twenty fifteen, and twenty fifteen was like, yeah, peak El Nino, right? Like blue marlin, Wahoo. We caught Wahoo in the rigs in front of Long Beach. Damn, we caught a we caught a, we caught a four hundred fifty pound blue marlin in front of San Onofre, <laughs> fishing for blue marlin. <laughs> Fuck, like dude. running like 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 big lures on the on the eighty you know on eighty pound chair here. And That's
1: like, wild, dude.
0: Big <laughs> blue marlin just crashing the short rig, you know. <laughs> 450 pounder 7 miles in front of Sano. That was 2015. Like wow.
1: Great, great time.
0: Wow, you know. Yeah. And that's when we first started to see these like 100 pound tuna, you know, sitting off Sano, sitting off Dana Point, you know, in the channel. You know, and 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 back then I I had my crystal liner late in that year and I had my Ranger at the beginning of the year and it was like this is just like this is this is heaven on earth. This is like, you know, this is this is really peak Southern California fishing experience. Right? Yeah. Um and goddamn are we lucky to like have that, you know. <laughs> so fortunate. Yeah. If you're going to come of age at any point in California fishing history, is there a better time than like now?
1: Yeah, I started really calico fishing I think 2017. <laughs> I was freshwater bass fishing there. It's been good for, like the difference has been great. I always talk about it. I love calico bass fishing, but it's cool to hear people's stories, you know, like how where they're at and yours, I mean, going from saltwater bass to winning a humongous tournament talk about that a little man um
0: so i you know like i like it kind of said i mean i i had a lot of roots fishing fish and billfish you know mm-hmm. that's how i even while i was fishing saltwater bass i was still making kind of a living working on on bigger boats and that's something a lot of people don't understand like i was fishing saltwater bass for fun and when i got a call to go work on like a, a bigger boat i would still do that you know i was still doing Kaaba runs in that period you know um that was how i was making money i wasn't making you know 100 grand a year but i was i was as you know as a young adult getting make, i'm getting by yeah. you know i can pay for the fuel to put in my boat you know i live at my parents house or whatever you know <laughs> um but uh in 2017 you know i've been doing my charter operation stuff salve pacific for 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 a couple of years at that point and i started fishing in 2016 with uh, a guy named davis um
1: now when you're doing your charter were you up here or down san in diego san diego, san diego uh, okay
0: David started fishing me on the hawk, and we had some really good trips fishing tuna. Uh, and I kind of whispered in his ear and said, "Hey, like, there's this thing called the Bisbee's. and and he's he's all into that kind of stuff." And at the end of 2016, we were we were, I guess, kind of actually more going into 2017. There was a discussion on the table about about him buying a boat and me bringing it down the Cabo and, and building a tournament program and you know trying to trying to maybe fish the the Cabo tournament scene, which is which is four or five tournaments. They have the Los Cabo's Billfish. They had the Little Bisbees, the Big Bisbees, couple two tournament tournaments. tournaments. There's quite a few big money tournaments that go down in October and November. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, going into 2017, uh, we ended up finding a boat in late 2017, a Cabo 40 uh, that was for sale via Cussler Yachts in San Diego. Um, we bought the boat. Uh, I built out a, you know, a 50 rod arsenal from Cousins. We, we rigged the whole thing up. I mean, we really put a lot of effort into building the team and putting the team together and... And building a program that would be competitive. Uh And we went for it. And, and Davis kind of invested in, he invested in an idea that I could be competitive for him. And uh, we brought together a good crew and, and people that we thought would give us a shot. Uh, and we went down in early October of 2017 to Cabo with this, you know, new package, right? This 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 program that we had we had. So, do cousins work.
1: wrap all the rods. The yeah, we we went to, to the
0: factory and built everything out. I'm actually uh, over. So, cousins went out of business, unfortunately. Super sad. Uh They're gone. They don't exist anymore.
1: I no, I sold all my rods. Yeah, it's,
0: it sucks. You know, I mean, that's mm. the fishing industry is hard, man. Margins are tight when you're building a made in USA rod like in Huntington Beach. Like, yeah. rods, the margins on rods are really really small. Yeah, it's hard to. I love my
1: cousins' road. rods. I just, I. I don't know anyone, dude. I don't get anything for free, so it's like if I break a rod, I need to be able to no, get a fucking. So that's why I sold them all. I got Phoenix rods, but I, dude, I bought like I had a whole set of cousins. I yeah. loved them, man. Dude.
0: Well, we, uh, I actually I was just at Seeker the other day, and we're building <laughs> sixty-five rods for one of my for one of my my clients. We got a really. I'll talk about it in a little bit. We got a really cool boat coming out for awesome. right now. So we're, yeah. we're at Seeker now, like trying to build some rods and. You know, you can work. There's a few people in Southern California who can build you a really cool rod. Um like a local company where yeah. you can have the, the ability to build it to spec, right? Like to really build a rod in quantity that you can use in like a tournament setting or use okay. it in just a casual setting, but something that's built to spec, a custom mm-hmm. lineup. Uh but we did that with the cousins, you know, we we got the boat all geared in dialed in, went down the Cabo, um and our first year fishing the Bisbee's on the on the on the third hour of the first day of the tournament, we we caught a 442 pound blue marlin, um, Fuck, man. which was I think 12 pounds away from winning a million dollar daily. Now in these tournaments, <laughs> it's can you tansel. talk? Can
1: you talk about the the winning uh, the purses because that yeah. way people can kind of understand how big these tournaments are.
0: So to go into so to liken it to, to like say competitive saltwater bass fishing, right? Like if if we're fishing in an SJBA event or an SBS event, uh, you're gonna you're gonna throw down like what a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, maybe throw in like fifty or hundred dollars into the big fish pot, and maybe there's a couple other little side pots that they let you do. Uh, that's your total entry fee. The winnings that you're gonna you're gonna get if you win that tournament are gonna come out of those uh, out of those base entry fees, right? What you see with the Bisbee's in, in these big events, you know, really, really all these big money events anywhere in the world is you have your base entry fee, which might be like $10,000, $5,000.
1: So when you're fishing with the team, do you kind of like have a backer?
0: That's a lot of fucking money. Well, yeah. I mean, the boat owner usually. The
1: boat owner. Okay. Or it's going to so,
0: be a conglomerate of the boat owner's friends. Who and all have yeah. Something. I mean, these are people who, who, where money is
1: like. And you're, you know. are you going as kind of a captain?
0: Yeah. No, I'm running the boat. You're and running then, the and boat. And I have a crew. And you're running
1: the boat. You have a crew, and then the dudes that put the money in are sitting there with you. Leaning. They're going to be
0: strapped into the chair, you know. In theory, <laughs> in theory, some of these guys don't even want to fish. They're literally just there to gamble their money on big fish.
1: Okay, so that's yeah. cool. That's it's gambling. Yeah, it's well, totally
0: gambling. I mean, it's it's the odds. Hey, There's but not for you,
1: right? Because you know you're going to fucking win, right?
0: Well, you you like to think you're going to win. <laughs> I mean, but no. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm just, going down there. This I'm is my just first time. Idiot, bro. I got down there with two weeks to try to figure out how to like put a program together, and. You know, we, we, So we when got you say put a program
1: a together, you're putting like the, the crew together, the rods, the gear, everything. You're putting like it a, all... The
0: techniques, you know? I yeah. Mean, you, you get three days. Like in a Bisbee's in a Black blue, you have three days to get a good bite. And all you want is one bite. Mm-hmm. You get one of the right bites over a three-day stretch and you're pretty happy. Because most people don't even get a shot, mm-hmm. you know? So you're looking for one shot. Uh, so you... I mean, my belief with the Laundice Fishing stuff is it's just consistency over the course of three days. Build a program you believe with... And, and then stick with that program you know don't be following the radio around you know you gotta you gotta really like buy into your program and and have the confidence in, in the in the mental clarity to run your program over a three-day period because you're looking for one bite yeah you know Dude. I got I get 30 hours to try to like to raise a fish you know off like a five mile stretch or something right and you're this
1: hit. is your you're talking about your first one right now right this is the first one this is okay.
0: 2017. so we got a bite early we, we we killed a 442 pound fish in like 20 minutes. Get to the scales. Uh, we, we actually, we didn't go right to the scales. We kept fishing. It was really in the day. And, you know, we called in our grid, what you got to do. The whole fleet shows up. Uh, I watched the guy who actually ended up taking a million dollars from us, like, catch the fish right next to us. You know, I'm like glassing him in the gyros. Um, <laughs> and I knew he had a real fish, you know. Most years, uh, you know, a 450-pound fish, is 50% of the time, is good for a million dollar daily, you know. Wow. And the way, so let me kind of clarify the daily situation. So. You pay your base entry, and then you can scale it up from there. So you're looking at like $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 dailies. And you can stack those all up, right? So if you're going all in, it's you know, $75,000, $90,000. Yeah. And then you stack that times you know, maybe 50 other boats that go all in. And um, the dailies are paid out on a day-to-day thing. So there's like a, a day one daily, day two daily, day three daily. The biggest fish on each of those three days is going to win their daily. Right, and the daily is usually like a million, a million and a quarter. Shit. But if like if you don't catch a if no qualifying fish are caught on day one, that'll roll over to day two. Not on day two, it'll roll to day three. So when you see the big money getting paid out, it's usually like a three-day roll. Yeah, 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 dude. Um. So. uh, We got that fish in 2017. Uh, We ended up not winning the daily. Uh, it held on for fifth place overall we got like a seven thousand dollar check you know it's like doesn't even cover the fuel but we got like a little trophy and we have to go on a stage and hold up the novelty check fun and it's like oh my gosh this is amazing you know at the time i was like the youngest captain and how many how many teams are there 140 teams
1: so you took seventh uh, fifth fifth out
0: of 140 dude
1: that's a huge accomplishment either way you gambled and took fifth out of That many teams, it's awesome. Oh, super. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I look at it, it's like, yeah, you build a good program and then you really hope that luck kicks in. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend that I'm like, you know, I'm not a billfish savant. I'm I'm competent. I feel like we put a good program together every time we like leave the dock. Yeah. You know, I try to fish with competency. Um, There's a lot of other really good teams that are fishing down there and we were fortunate to get a good bite. Right. Um, So we left our first season. You know i've left feeling like you know personally fulfilled in a sense but still with stuff on the table you know yeah. like, this feels great we 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 got to you know wet our feet we had a, we had a good year let's come back next year and, and try it again um
1: with Kizikans free shoes motion sounds something like this
0: So yeah, we showed up late. Actually, we missed our first tournament this year because of the hurricanes. Yeah, Uh, we had boat work that stretched pretty late. Uh, We missed the we missed the Los Cabos. We had an uneventful little bizbies, and an uneventful big bizbies until twelve o'clock or I think eleven o'clock on the third day. uh, We were fishing for black marlin. We were running a kind of a a, a slow troll live bait program. So we're fishing. We're fishing at the time. I think we had we had three live tune out. Yeah, live skipjack. Yeah. Um, How big? 10 pounds. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy, right? Yeah, so, I mean, huge. we're fishing, we're throwing <laughs> around a 10 pound bait, you know? Fuck, big man. circle of. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, one of them gets popped off the rigger and we're bit, you know? So we come tight on the fish. Fought that fish for two and a half hours. Um, we ended it at, I, I think we ended it at like noon or noon 30, I believe. Um, Flyer in the back and a couple sticks. Uh. At this point, it's the third day. Uh, the first day, there was a qualifying fish caught. But that fish, um, that fish, the, the team that caught it was not across the board. They are owning the lower jackpots. So they took like $500,000 home, mm-hmm. but they left like a half mil on the table. Second day, uh, no qualifying fish were caught. Great. So all that money <laughs> rolled over. So now we've got like a, a big rollover here, right? Third day... Um, we were one of two qualifying fish caught. We caught our fish and then another boat called True Grit caught a smaller blue marlin day in the day. Uh, we weighed our fish, 510 pounds. Um, I Shit. went and I like went to sleep. I'm like, <laughs> wake me up when lines are out, you know? Wake me up when we've either won or we've lost. Yeah, Because I can't handle this right now. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Stressful like, as fuck, dude, dude. If you want to talk about moments of consequence, <laughs> imagine fighting a fish. Where you know because you've seen this fish, right? You know that if you catch this fish, you have like a better, better than fifty percent chance of winning three million dollars. You know what I mean? Like you're tied into a fish. Like all right, we're in a bass tournament, and you hook like a you hook an eight pound bass. Yeah, it's done in thirty seconds. Yeah, maybe fifteen seconds. It's a bass. You know, you're fishing eighty pound spectra, fifty pound fluorocarbon leader, stiff rods, tight drags. It's going to torque you around a little while, but you're either going to get it or lose it. And like fifteen seconds, thirty seconds. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe a minute. Imagine being tied into that fish for two and a half hours, right? And oh, knowing that God. at any point somebody can make a mistake. I can make an. Uh, I can be on the throttles driving the boat. I can make a mistake. A mistake that's a three million dollar mistake. Your angler, three million dollar mistake. And then you've got a rule book that's like <laughs> a textbook thick that you got to like play by all these like pretty intricate rules about who can touch what. And 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 hoping that all your gear and everything's proper and legal, right? Fuck, man. I mean, that's like I'm sitting there like, you are sweating, you know? Like yeah, you, this is, is a life fuck. changing situation. Yeah. This situation is either gonna make your life or it's gonna break your life. You you lose a three million dollar fish in a boat, you never get over that. Ever. Damn. That haunts you for the rest of your life. You know? Yeah. Uh we were fortunate and we got our fish. It could have gone the other way. Fuck. It dude. goes the other way for people every single year. Yeah. And and for me, like being able to stand on that stage and, and hold up like a $3 million novelty check. Oh, shit. I mean, that's life changing. Dude. For sure.
1: I was down there. That's a lot of... Dude, no one's going to see that. A fu- even yeah. a novelty check, it's like... It's the second biggest payout in sport fishing history. Fuck, man. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a great accomplishment. But
0: I was down in Cabo when I was like 19 years old with my buddy Clark McNulty over at Hook Buzz. Just filming the event. Just taking photos. Yeah. For like press. With a press pass. (laughs) Looking at these guys who I was competing against, you know, six, seven years later. Like, wow, I would love to be out there one day. (laughs) Isn't it funny how life works?
1: It's crazy, right? Circumstance. But you feel like you made it that way, so it's a different story. You know, like you had a plan maybe and stuck to it. Like you said, dude, you had the drive. It's been a crusade. I mean, that's a... Great. And a, a how old are, are you right now? You're 20. Against,
0: against the fish of the ocean, right? How old are you right now? I'm 27. Oh, fuck, but, man. You're a baby. But there's so many moments in time, like, kind of going back. All right. So you, so you look at, like, social media and the role it plays, right? Yeah. Am I disenfranchised with the state of, like, social media? Do I resent a lot of the things that I've seen or written or said or been written about when it comes to social media over the last 10 years? Absolutely. Without social media, though, would I have been able to establish myself and give myself the opportunity to hold that check over my head? Probably not. You know, you think that because that I wasn't you- born, I, I didn't have a dad who owned that boat. You know, it wasn't it wasn't something that was going to be handed to me. Those keys <clears throat> were not going to be handed to me. I was going to have to assert myself somehow. So while while you learn and maybe there's things that you regret, I had to put myself out there. It gave me the opportunity to ply my trade, right? So like nowadays. I mean, I I I don't know if I'm going to charter fish this year. You know, I'm kind of working on a more individual basis with people who really support my 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 vision. You know, and and who I can bring like a positive.
1: And what's what's your vision? Because well, right now you're doing uh, six packs. So,
0: well, I was. I was you I was were doing like a four pack operation. I okay. Had a few boats um, out of San
1: Diego, correct? Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh Right now, I I only work with a few private boat guys. Um, let I me work, fix that fucking mic. Yeah, what's rolling? So. You know, after the four pack stuff was great because it, it introduced me to a lot of a lot of really cool people. Um, it allowed me to to practice my trade on the water, you know, 200 days a year. You know, put yourself out there, put time in and time on the water is absolutely the most important dude, thing. Dude, everyone. That means,
1: that's what everyone says. Time on the water. To, dude, because right?
0: you have to understand what you're looking at. Yeah, And the only way you can really understand what you're looking at and make it like innate, you know, is by is by looking at it a lot. By making it second nature. and yeah. You have to spend time on the water to accomplish that. Just like anything in this world. Any profession requires time. If 10,000 you be, hours, right? Exactly. If you want to yeah. be good at hitting a baseball, you got to hit a lot of baseballs. Yeah. You want to know how to dribble a basketball? It needs to be second nature. You can't think about every time you hit the ball. You just have to do it. Yeah. And to do that, you need time. Yeah. And what's nice about being young and getting into this industry from a young age is you have lots of time. Is there a better currency than time? No. You're rich with it, right? It's the only thing, the only currency in this world that we we collectively lose as we get older. Usually, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You only you only have less. Yeah, the more you live, the less you have. Uh, so it's really important to spend the time that you're gifted uh, doing something that's meaningful and consequential. Um, and for a period of my life, meaningful meant being on the ocean and doing the charters. Uh, allowed me to. Learn. It allowed me to be out there uh, in the setting, uh, doing uh, and making a living in the process. And I feel like I offered a, a real nice product out. We caught a lot of really good fish for for our clients over the last few years. Uh, four yeah, years. Yeah, I heard your charter did really yeah, good. Yeah, I man. mean, we killed mm-hmm. it. We had we had, a, we had a, we've had a really good few years of fishing. You know, we caught a have, lot you of. You had two it. boats. Uh, yeah, yeah, You're I mean, selling I've had one right Times, yeah, I've, I'm selling my Parker right now. I'm selling my twenty three twenty. If anybody wants to buy a Parker, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I got a beautiful <laughs> Parker for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, like after the bizbies and stuff, uh, you know, I I'm skewing more in the private boat direction, where I can just work with with a couple, you know, people who have a vision that isn't aligned with my vision, um, where I can really work on the heavier technical elements of of my trade of the sport, right? So I can I can challenge myself in a way that I can't necessarily do uh, on a charter. You know, I, uh, when you're charter fishing, you you have to provide a pretty consistent uh, package, right? So you're going to go out and you're going to catch your yellowtail, you're going to catch your cod, you're going to catch your tuna, <laughs> and it's kind of deja vu every day. Yeah. You know, you're getting the job done. You're providing an experience. It's like an amusement park ride, right? Uh, you're providing an experience for somebody um, with the private operations that I'm fortunate to to be linked up with right now. Uh, I can build a program for like one guy or maybe maybe a few guys uh, that's diverse, that's broad, uh, where we can target a lot of different fish. And I think that one of the things that I've been fortunate um, with professionally and, and something that I hold of great value is, is diversity. Right. I want to be able to catch everything. And I mean, I feel at this point that I can fish effectively for every fish between from here to from here to Costa Rica. You know, yeah. I can run almost any program. I can run a, a an extremely complex marlin program with dredges and you know teasers and the whole the whole nine yards. I can run a, a big bait live bait program for black marlin. You know, I can fly any kite contraption for a bluefin tuna, and I can go throw the weedless around and catch catch a calca bass. You know, I mean, and, <laughs> in in. in What's cool about that is I can now find partners, like-minded individuals who, who maybe are, 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 are professionals in their own, right. You know, in their own industries, these are well-off people and, and I can, and they're passionate about fishing. So I can work with these people and, and build a really cool program for them. Something that's, that's very broad, uh, that can notch all those things off. Right. I mean. We're going to go and we're going to catch straight marlin and we're going to catch bass and we're going to catch yellowtail and sea bass. And we're going to catch. So then you have guys that
1: are coming in to go, I want to catch this, this and this. And you're going to go, I got it for you.
0: I'm going to build that program for you. And maybe that means like building the rods to do that. Right. So right now we're, I'm working, uh, which
1: is super fucking cool because you can have. The setup, exact setup Absolutely. for each fucking...
0: And I can plan it out. You know, I can plan a, a season for these guys, yeah. right? So like, hey, we're going to be fishing San Diego now. We're going to be fishing up north. You know, we we'll are fish LA area this time of year. We're going to get to Cabo oh, this time of year. dude, Puerto this is a this great idea, idea, dude. It's super cool. And I mean, this is something that a lot of guys do already. I mean, yeah, being but- a private captain is cool. To come at it as as a lifelong member of the industry who, who at least for my age, has has pretty strong depth within, mm-hmm. within these, you know, different sport fishing elements is cool, you know, because I have my youth, I have my health, I have, mm. you know, a high energy level and an enthusiasm level, but I also have a, a strong information basis that I can draw from, uh, that allows me to, to do a good job and to take these, take money and, uh, and, and to make a living doing it, but also feel like I'm providing a really cool package, do it with integrity. Right. I think that's really important. So right now I'm working with, uh, uh, my, my, my good friend, Ivan, uh, he he uh, works for a company. He started a company called the Jungle Boys, which is their. They have a, a big cannabis. Uh, it's cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 have the Jungle Boys, which is a huge. Ent- <laughs> it's a huge entity in 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 marijuana cultivation. Yeah, and you for, know that's all legal I mean, now, and it's it's all by the books. And he's he's an absolutely brilliant businessman.
1: <laughs> hey, you could talk about it. We're drinking beer. Dude. No, it's no, the same sure. shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I I,
0: I I actually have a ton of respect for the guy because yeah. I mean, you're looking at somebody who. Honestly, much like fishing, this is somebody who's been grinding it out in this industry, in his industry for many, many years and and puts out an absolutely fantastic product uh, and and is at the peak of his field, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And by reaching the peak of his field, now he can explore fishing as something that he loves to do casually, something that he can pursue at a really high level. And for me, as a sport fishing professional, I can help him get there, right? So together, we can go You know, do all these really cool things and do it competently and proficiently and and really be able to share my passion for the ocean with somebody uh, who has the means to go explore it as an adult, you know. Um, So we've been building a really cool boat out in Florida, Sea Hunter, a 45-foot center console. Quad four, wow. Quad 425s. It's, a, it's like a 70-mile-per-hour boat. <laughs> Full tower, sea keeper, 250 gallons of bait capacity. You're like a dream rig, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this guy's worked hard his whole life to be able to, to, to build this boat. And now we get to go do the coolest things that you could possibly do in sport fishing. On so you're road. going to
1: pick that up pretty soon.
0: Well, we've been building it for the last you know, several months and, uh-huh. and that boat's going to be done in, in early April. So wow. we're going to go fish in Florida a little bit. We're going to put it on a boat and get it out here. We'll fish the summer up here in Southern California, and then we'll bring that boat South and fish, uh, you know, hopefully Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, mm-hmm. you know, in the fall and winter. So hopefully put together a really cool schedule for that boat. Um, so right now you're not doing any, any charters, nothing. I haven't decided fully, um, I think I'm going to be doing more of this full time. Uh, okay. as of right now, uh, yeah. I am going to probably offer some sort of charter uh, program. It's not necessarily going to be with me behind the wheel, um, because I mean, for example, Ivan. I mean, he's got we've got three boats. He's yeah. got a Sea Hunter, he's got a 35 Contender, a Ranger. I mean, it's it's a lot of work to keep all the boats, you know, in good working order and put together a good comprehensive schedule. Right, so. For me to be able to provide the best product I can, I I don't want to be out there burning myself out, you know, doing the charter stuff every single day. Uh, But I have a really great qualified crew of guys that work with me. And I do have a really good platform to, to, to give them the opportunity to share their knowledge and their experience with people who want to go out there and experience all the best things that the Pacific Ocean has to offer. So I am hoping to keep an element of my operation going. Uh, just not necessarily with me running every trip. You know, I've got guys who I've been fishing with for for ten years now too, that are extremely qualified, talented anglers. Extremely qualified. Yeah. You know, guys who know the program that I've been running intricately. You know, guys who who had their own programs that work really, really well. I trust these guys, and I know they can provide a good experience. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to carry it, it as a friend. You know, as a friend and somebody shared shared the journey and shared my growth with these guys. You know, maybe I've been fortunate to have opportunities at a young age, but I want to make sure that the people in my program who share my program with me, uh, get similar opportunities. You know, if I'm going to be lifting myself, I want to lift other people with me. I try to be loyal to the people. A, in my yeah. Approach.
1: Positive message, bro. For sure. Always. You know?
0: I, I believe that you, you know, pay your crew well, <clears throat> give them good opportunity, be generous with what you can be generous with. Uh, because you can, you can, it's it's hard, man. It's hard to make it in the fishing industry, but you can, if you can help somebody get there with you, like, shit, that's a good thing, you know? Right. Like, yeah. why not? Yeah, of you
1: course, know? man.
0: And, I mean.
1: That's why we try to keep it as, as even on the podcast, I try to keep it real wide spectrum to where some of these are smaller bait companies. I'm like, I'm fucking anyone on, dude. I, totally. if, if they seem like they're doing something fucking cool, like, uh, we have one coming up. It's, uh, Sand Kings. He's a Corbina guy. Yeah cool fucking dude super cool super fucking cool
0: well let's see is the only gauge of what's cool the amount of likes and followers you have so Instagram? that was my
1: next question so you just bring it right into where i wanted to ask right. here we go ready comic. what do you think about social media and phishing i oh um, ask God. everyone this how it's different for you because i feel like you were on top of it when it started so you got a lot of followers. You got, you know, you you do really good at social media, YouTube. Yeah. You got videos that have had multiple thousands of plays. So how do you think it affects the fishing industry? But, you know, more all right, the so way the, you, you can go for it. Right, this, shoot. Is,
0: this, is, this, is, this is the heavy truth. <laughs> all right. I'll lay it down for you. To, 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 to the it. best of my personal understanding, uh-huh. um, social media has played a really important role in my life. Uh, without social media, I don't think I would have the opportunities I've had. And I kind of touched on that earlier. Like, yeah, it gave me the opportunity to, to promote myself and put myself out there and, and achieve what I've been able to achieve. Right. It put me in a position where, where I can practice my trade, you know, and not have to pull away from my trade to, to go work some other job to allow me to practice my trade on the weekends, for example. Right. Uh, I am very dis- I I, I, I just, dis- don't like the way social media is right now, for from a fishing perspective. At this moment, in at time. this moment in time, I mean, it's, it's it's. Are you talking about Instagram, YouTube? What are you talking about? Well, I think Instagram's the dominant force right now. See, YouTube's different, right? Because you can be like a really entertaining, positive-messaged vlogger who might not be like a professional caliber angler, but you have people who really follow you and appreciate what you do because you're. You're bringing an experience that somebody who's spending their day in an office, for example, really craves. This is their outlet. This is their fun activity. And now you can bring that to their office. You know, they're on their lunch break. They plug in their headphones. You can watch somebody doing something cool, you know, and that's like a I good do time, I do it all the time. I do too. Yeah. Even me. I mean, I'll sit there on YouTube at night and like watch some cool videos. Yeah. And and, and I'll watch videos of people who are doing things that are not as cool as the <laughs> stuff that I do every day, but I appreciate it for what
1: it is. Right. Uh. Or who they are more You know like uh, Sometimes it might not They might not be The best fishermen Or something But the the dude's cool And funny The
0: guy's a good guy And he's trying And he's sharing His experiences And he's not trying To package it As anything it isn't He's just out there Like filming his day On the water And that's cool Because there are people who will, who will play a really positive, valuable role in every stage of your progression as an angler, right? If you're just learning the basics of fishing, there's somebody who's going to really help you get where you need to be. If you're trying to learn like super advanced stuff, there's another guy who's going to be able to package it a little bit of a different way, maybe, you know, drop some different insight and help you along the way when you get to that stage in the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, I mean, dude, I, I've, done, I've done some of the coolest things in fishing you could ever imagine. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been at the top of the mountain, you know, I don't really have, I I don't need to, I don't need to like project that that much anymore. I don't feel the desire to do that. You know,
1: Right and uh, you can tell your, you you your Instagram, it's like, quiet right now. It is. It's super quiet, which is know? fucking cool, man. I mean, if you could get to that point where it's, you know, like you spend time doing what you, what you want to do, I mean, that's fucking cool too, man. Yeah. I well, mean, it's respectable, you know?
0: The thing is, I I just don't want to flex, man, you know? I don't have anything to flex. I, 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 I just don't anymore. I don't really want to play the sponsorship game right now. I think it's distracting. I don't think it helps me get where I need to be professionally. I really genuinely don't, you know? unless somebody's going to come to me and be like, yo, I'm going to write you like a $5,000 check a month <laughs> to help me like develop some stuff. Then we're talking. Yeah. But like for a bag of like baits and, and like a or, a, or a package of clothing, like it, it, it's, it's almost more of a distraction than it is. Like, uh, it's not going to advance me. It's only going to distract me. Like if I'm sitting down there in the Bisbee's, right. Yeah. And, and, and I have a personal stake in winning this tournament. That's six figures, right. Contractually. And I'm getting paid every day to be down there. I'm doing a disservice to my team if the primary driving like is motivator Instagram. is Instagram. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to be down there like Instagram live when I should be just rigging some baits and double and triple checking my rigging, then I'm doing a disservice to my team. You know? If if every moment needs to be documented, then I'm not living in the moment for the people who have hired me to be down there. As a professional, it's distracting, it's unnecessary. So was I going to be like live streaming the weigh weighing? No, dude. I'm down there for myself. Hey, you I'm were, down there for my team. You were team. fucking
1: sleeping, bro, because you're so stressed Dude, out.
0: The last <laughs> thing I need to be doing is like is projecting my stress all over social media. You yeah. know that is it's 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 silly. It's silly. Yeah. You know when I need to promote. If, hey, if I want to go run like you know 15 or 20 charters next month, I'll go post something about. It. I'll put out. Hey, I'm offering a service. You guys want to jump on this? Cool. You know, let's go do it. Um, I'm not I'm not adverse to doing that. But as an individual on a personal level, when I'm working on like my personal pursuits and my personal goals, uh, I don't need the voices. I don't need to have that. And, you know, I don't need to have these like this digital footprint tracking every move I make because I want to be focusing on the physicality that is the job. Right. Do you, I want you feel to be living like in the moment. a
1: little bit you're you're a little more jaded because of your younger experiences with Facebook and stuff like, oh, yeah, you know, something. You know what I'm saying? Like you totally. talked about earlier, it's like some people told you to write some shit, you got a lot of hate, so it might make you go uh I'm not going to post shit cuz I don't feel like dealing yeah. with any of this.
0: Well, why put the pressure on yourself? You know, why worry about like every time like oh, you got a new comment. I hope it's not somebody saying some something negative, you know? I hope this isn't going to like ruin my day because somebody just said something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, just just in the same way that that I'm no longer going to be somebody who's going to be like posting anything negative? I also don't want to read anything negative. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to be surrounded with it. It's so distracting. It's totally distracting. You know, if I'm down there and I'm trying to, like, f- win a tournament, right? Win a million dollars in a fishing <laughs> tournament. You don't want to, be like, to, say, Amazon, don't to be, like, someone saying, fuck, I'm a dickhead. I somebody to be like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, why? Like, why am I even, like, subjecting <laughs> myself to this? It's totally distracting. Yeah. It's just going to throw you off your game. No, that's the um, truth. It's not like I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, like, a pseudo-professional fisherman who just... Post stuff to flex it out You know like you see guys who like post their Sponsorship contracts on Instagram Do you know how whack that is (laughs) Like straight up like like Do you think anybody's like wow this guy's so cool You know it's like no dude like why are you even Posting that you get some cool stuff From a company you think the company Wants you to post your contract on Social media no Like it's it's bizarre you know Like who are you flexing to You know flex with like hard Concrete accomplishment the kind of stuff that you don't need to flex because it's in the frickin' newspaper. That's ah, like yeah. real flex, you know? Yeah. That's like meaningful flexing. That's flexing that will like outlive you, you know? I don't know. It just feels disingenuous, you know? Yeah.
1: Like, And that's one thing I I bring up the Instagram thing because I, I feel like, how you said you feel intimidated. Like, talking to some of these dudes, I'm like, oh, well, fuck, you know? Um, seeing some of the guys that I've seen, like, I'm an old man. I fucking have seen you fucking fishing forever, you know? So it's kind of like cool. Like when I'm like, fuck, heaven salve, dude. We've yeah. talked about you before. Yeah. Quality models.
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, I mean,
1: I've, a lot of people laughed about me before. you could like, look at my social... No, dude, look at... we. I When I watch your shit, I'm like, fuck, this guy's fucking killing it, dude. You know, like, I'm thinking, what do I do? Drag the fucking swim bait along the bottom. You know, like you're right. talking about everything. And I'm... I'm sure there's people that I talk shit or laugh, but there's guys that fucking... Dude, I laugh at, least, at myself you know, all the time. I There's mean,
0: a lot of quotable goofy stuff. There's some goofy shit that I've said in the past. I'm not gonna say there isn't
1: because there totally is. Hey, there was some goofy stuff. But you know what? You fucking that's a, something that people have remembered It's you know, progression. Like, exactly. See, a lot of people
0: like they're gonna be like, okay, like okay, I'm way cooler now. I'm gonna go wipe all my like old goofy stuff off the internet, <laughs> right? Like I'm gonna delete this video because I was a koop <laughs> back then. And I and I made a conscious effort not to do that. Why? Because you know what? One day I'm going to be looking back like maybe with some kids like hey this was your dad when he was your age trying to figure life out too. But how much different do you really think you are? Do you, I oh, I'm, mean I am a very different person than I was. You 10 really years. think I was like listen, I was like a very naive,
1: innocent, shocking child. Well, I'm not child. saying I'm not saying and I
0: was a goofball. I was an absolute goofball. So you goofball. don't do
1: you think you lost some of that goof like it's good to up. be a goofball. I grew up. I'm a fucking retard map, not retard. I'm an idiot. I'm a fucking idiot still, the same idiot that I was. You know, uh, Dude, I, 20 I have, years ago, I mean... There I, was
0: a point, I remember, you know what? I'll, I'll just tell you some funny stories. Like, you know, I was a kid, like my buddy, my buddy Jared, you know, one day Jared showed up and, you know, we're all like, we're 18, you know, we're 17, <laughs> 18 and we're like, we're in high school, everybody's like drinking for the first time, everybody's like smoking cigarettes for the first time. You know how it is, right?
1: I was edgy until I was twenty. Everybody's kind of goes
0: through an edgy period. <laughs> and I remember one day, my buddy Jared shows up and he's like smoking a cigarette. I'm Jared
2: you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes.
0: You know, fast forward like five years, like, dude, I'm taking a drag when I'm drunk, you know, <laughs> like, it's real. I don't anymore. I don't touch cigarettes or anything yeah. anymore. You know, I try to live like a really healthy lifestyle now, but I look back at like my naive, innocent self, like genuinely like offended by the fact that my friend is possibly putting a cancer stick in his mouth. And now i am like, dude, I'm sitting at like a music festival, like drunk smoking a cigarette. Like that's, that's the real world. Yeah. Like, we all go through that period. Um, But uh, I don't ever want to, like, wash out my past in any way, shape, or form because everywhere that I've been, uh, that led me to where I am now, right? Like, there was a point where I was a goofy kid saying some goofy stuff and I really didn't know that much about the world or how to present myself. There was a point where I was kind of in between. There was a point where I partied. There was a point where I did crazy stuff. There was a point where I was, like, a consummate professional there's a point where I am now where maybe I have just the perspective to look back and actually understand where those points actually were. So, well said,
1: my friend. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you so that's can't your take you don't necessarily understand to, it at the time. yeah.
0: But when you look back on it, when you look at the timeline of your life, I can look and say, like, okay, like I understand why I was the way I was at this point in my life. I understand where I am now. You can't erase the past. This is time that's already happened, this is time that's already gone by. It doesn't do you any favors to forget that time.
1: That's because true. Because why That's live it true. if That's, you're going to forget yeah. it. Very true. So. Very true.
0: But Well, on a lighter note. On a lighter note. Is let's this talk not about, either? no, man, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: cool hearing you know, your perspective. You've been through uh, many years of different phases of fishing. You've been through your hard, harsh phase. Yeah. You've been through where you're at right now. So it's like cool to hear your, your, your trip. You know, maybe a lot of these other guys have been, you know, doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Like you said, their 40s, 50s, but they don't have the social media phase you grew up in. They yeah. don't have some of the other things you grew up in. Uh, I, I love it, dude. It's cool. Well, I will say, you know,
0: I, I do want to also say that I think social media is not all bad. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good that comes out of social media, you know, and I, and I don't want to be too jaded on it because, yeah, I've seen like the negative element of it. But at the same time, like, again, social media has been great for my career. And I and I and I respect and embrace that in a lot of ways too. Uh, I just think you need to know how to navigate it now, right? You just need to understand that a lot of what you see isn't necessarily like a real representation of somebody's life. I think that words can be hurtful. So, I'll, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give like a heavy example here. I'm just gonna put it out there. You know who Billy Kay is, right? I do know I, who Billy Kay is. Billy kay has got a lot of hate over the last. I've heard. Year,
1: well, see, I've heard. Uh, I just seen a seminar at a pacific coast sport fishing show i i don't know anything about it but i know who he is here's the thing do i agree with how billy's projected himself do Do i
0: like the whole like i'm gonna sell gps numbers i'm gonna do this that and the other no i don't it, it stands contrary to what i believe ethically as an angler do i support the people who attack him like in a racial sense hell no dude you know, I've seen some stuff in the last and, and I'll be honest with you, there's been a temptation at times for me to like go on there and write some some stuff because I hate the fact that he's like selling the GPS numbers of the spot that he fished right next to me yesterday. Like I despise that. Right. So I'm going to go on there and I'm going to write something and I am gonna make sure everybody knows that I don't agree with this guy. And then I kind of like woke up one day and I'm like, you know what? A lot of these guys who are like attacking this guy right now are the same guys who like attacked me five years ago who made my life really, like, uncomfortable, who really, like, hurt me at times. It would be hypocritical and unfair of me to to go on there and, like, publicly, like, take the same tactic that has hurt me at times. So I can disagree with this guy's business platform. I can say that I don't like the way that he's, you know, projecting himself from a business sense. But I don't know if I would go so far as to say that I dislike the man as a person, as an individual, you know? because the truth is i don't know him well enough to make that determination he could be a really good family man who's who's doing what he needs to do to support his family to give his daughter or his son or his wife or his relatives or his parents a better life yeah you know and who am i to tell this guy how to live his life it's not it, it it's the wrong approach you know if anything you have a conversation and say hey billy like i'm going to tell you from 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 my perspective as somebody who's been through what you've been that there's a better way for you to carry yourself that will be less divisive there's a way that you can succeed and catch all these big bluefin and be able to embrace that and take that and take the good credit and the good and the good comment that's going to come your way by doing a good job for your clients but also be respectful of the professionals who are fishing next to you every single day there's a middle line yeah. and everybody wants to skew so far from, from you either defend him to your last breath, or you hate him with every one of your breaths. there's somewhere in the middle, and I think that's the responsibility as I've gotten older as somebody in this industry that is my responsibility to be a voice of reason, maybe right to be somebody who can say I can separate the man from his social media persona. did you talk to Billy I've talked to him a couple of times, but I'm not a friend with him okay. I'm not his friend and and you know what it's hard because like. I'll be honest with you. Like a lot of the stuff he did last summer, like really pissed
1: me off. But you did know? you like go up to him and talk? I to him? haven't really had a chance Do you to like, have I'm a saying? real So I think that's a but big I will, difference. But I'll
0: tell you right now over the radio, because I know a lot of people listen, I'll say <clears> like anybody who's going on there and calling him Billy Lin then is isn't, is a piece of shit. Yeah. Like straight up. Like, what are you doing? And then you got people like saying like, ha ha ha, like laughing about it. This is funny. And I even have my friends listening to this stuff. I'm like, ha ha ha. Yes dude, it's not funny. Like you're, you're like what you're like <laughs> some racist, like crap. Like that's, no, that's it, bullshit. Dude. You know? Yeah. Like maybe call it for what it is. You know, if if you disagree with like what he's doing professionally, you can call that for what it is. But the minute you like skew into, into like the personal side of it, you bring in somebody's like somebody's ethnic like background, F- ethnic yeah. background into yeah. it. Then you're just a piece of shit. Yeah. And there's no other way around it. I don't care if you're just like, Oh, I'm like uncensored. No, no, you're just a piece of shit. You know, I'm Jewish, man. I've had people make like anti-Semitic comments about me. I heard you had some shit done to your boat, dude. I've had shit done to my, it's like, you know, like you can disagree with somebody and not fucking hate the man. Dude. Like straight up. There's a, there's a difference. If there's one thing I've learned in my career, it's the ability to separate like the personal and the professional side of things and know when you're crossing the line.
1: You know so you 've experienced the thing is you 've experienced some of the same shit he has dude, and, it's and like, you
0: know what a lot of times the shit that I got maybe it was valid because there was times i 've made mistakes I told you earlier right, i' made a lot of mistakes in my career, right yeah. like there was times like i didn 't know any better, and it took somebody like showing me a different perspective for me to understand that maybe their perspective was valid okay maybe they 're right i i'm a, i 'm I'm a, I'm a conscious i 'm a conscious living person. Who has a head on my shoulders, and I can say that maybe I did make a mistake here. So now I just can't make that mistake again. You live and you learn. That's part of growing up. Yeah. Again, I grew up like visually in this fishing industry, right? <laughs> so like every mistake yeah. I made was like on the, you know, that was like on the front of everybody's feed. Look what he did today, you know? So you do need to get feedback, and you're going to get feedback over the course of your life. Um, but if you're a good person. As you come of age in this world, you just need to learn how to give feedback. Because there's a better way. There's always a better way. You can always do it a little better. You can always be like a more empathetic person. Because you don't know everything. It's easy to like say you... It's easy to think you know everything about somebody's life. It's easy to like ball somebody up and just kind of throw them in the trash can and say like, this is this guy's substance. Nah.
1: It's a lot harder to understand. Man super well-spoken bro <laughs> yeah. let's uh let's let's get a little lighter yeah let's get we, you a little, We gotta get a little lighter yeah i, I gotta
0: i i hope that people do listen though i know i i, hope I, that I, we I like, think you have a
1: great mess you know? nice, that what you've been saying is some great shit uh i'm not trying to make it too heavy or too deep no but you're like, not but Shit we, I don't think you Have important. you ever done anything like this Where you've talked like this No I haven't So Usually I, mean, I go on the
0: radio And we just talk like Hey what's your favorite bait for this Where are the fish biting It's like yeah, Dude, I can talk about that all day long I talk about that all day long That's what I do every day I'm a sport fishing professional So I'm out there trying to catch fish all day But like More so Like the experiences My experience in this industry Has been more shaping personally Than it has Like Fishing The physical element of fishing Of going out and casting a lure And catching a fish is one thing but when you look at it through the through the through the lens of life, that's like the things that I'm carrying away from like my growth within this industry at this point at, at 27 years old. The physical element is one thing. Like, yeah, I've won some money, you know, I've made a living doing it, whatever. Uh, but I'm coming out of a point where I'm looking at my youth and I'm saying like,
1: what have I learned? What is my story? Yeah, you know, and that's I'm what, an adult that, And the great thing we like to talk about is like, uh, you get to hear. How the actual dude is You see Instagram Like you said And you see Like dude I see Instagram And I think wow These people look really happy But in fucking real life They're not You know what I'm saying And that's almost like fishing It's like You get to meet the real person Like that's Part of the podcast Is like I get to meet Evan I get to see how Evan is In person You know Like I've been guilty of uh, I am not a perfect person You know Like I, I have made
0: I've said bad things You know I've done bad things you know, I have had the wrong perspective many times, but like I, I want to have the right perspective. You want to have the right perspective and you have to be open to like finding that you got to be open. If if the right thought comes into your mind, you got to be able to like compartmentalize it and be like, okay, like maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's not just other people who are wrong or right. You got to look at yourself and be able to really concretely and publicly say like, Maybe I was wrong and now I'm right. Or maybe I am wrong now and back then I was right. And be able to draw, you know, a conclusion out of that. I think it's important, man. I I genuinely do. And I I appreciate your program because you're willing to to actually, like, confront these things. And everybody I talk about, everybody I say, like, you know, this isn't about putting somebody on the spot. You know, this isn't about saying, like, like, this guy is right or this guy is wrong, you know? Cause I, I, am not the, I'm not the, I'm not the, the, the judgment, you know, but you know, if, if you're like a young person listening to this program and, and, and you're trying to like put yourself on a path to, to, of growth, you know, Mm -hmm. and and you want to say, Hey, like I'm an 18 year old now and I'm about to embark on this professional sport fishing journey and I want to be in my shoes. Right. Maybe I want to be like Evan one day, you know, I want to be a professional, you know, um, what are the things that I'm probably going to have to learn along the way, but maybe if I hear a little bit about it now, it'll make that journey easier. I don't know. Poof. Maybe that's maybe that's the best thing I have to offer, more so than how to swim a swim bait, more so than than how to cast a service iron. How to be the best at killing an animal? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's how to be the best animal. There you go. We're animals. He got it. You got it, man. Bring life, man, not death. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're getting too fluffy. Okay, here's a good one. This is a good one. Okay.
1: So we've had a couple guys in here that have flipped their whalers. We had Eric Bent. We had the Rocketeer, Bobby Martinez. That's his new name. Add add me to the list.
0: And now we need
1: Evan's boat flip story. So shoot. Are, are, Are whalers particularly susceptible to flipping? You know, all only three guys that i've had but it's all swba guys and they all love whalers so uh, (laughs) they're great boats yeah so let's hear about yours man what happened oh man so i was like i always build myself i'm gonna
0: fish tighter than everybody else (laughs) i am the boiler rock master i'm so good at fishing tight i'm gonna ply those beaches you know because i'm a kid and i'm a badass (laughs) no i uh yeah, we were fishing PV one day. We were fishing... fishing so are uh, you by yourself or with no, a buddy? No, I, I was with a couple of buddies. Okay. My buddy Matt, my buddy Peter, my buddy my buddy Finn down in Newport. And uh, yeah, we just got caught too far inside one day. We got like the trolling motor down. I'm like, we're going to get a Calga here, guys. Just keep keep casting. Just walk those sledgehammers off the beach. We're going to get them, guys. You know? And uh, look back and it's like, oh, here comes like a pretty big one. And you want to know the worst part about it is I had my trolling motor down and I snapped like three trolling motor shafts that year, like in kelp and shit. Oh my
1: God. I'm like,
0: I don't want to, I could have punched it out and I'm like, I don't want to break another trolling motor shaft. Oh fuck, man. I didn't want to break (laughs) it. And I should never have had my trolling motor down, right? Yeah. Hindsight's 50, 50, whatever. Uh, But uh, I had the shaft down. We kind of tried to turn into it, and it just hit us like straight broadside. And it wasn't like a giant wave, but it was just a- enough inertia to dip one side, and the boat just did a little turtle roll, just meow, just right over. And I still remember climbing on the underside of my boat, and my trolling motor prop was still spinning. Like a windmill. <laughs> over there. And it wasn't it was like a nice day. It was like beautiful, sunny, and we all just like swam the rough. shore. It wasn't even like, rough, huh? We were down by like Portuguese Van there, uh, and there's like people walking on the beach like, what just happened? You know, like there's like these little scrawny kids like stumbling ashore, <laughs> you know? And there are like people like walk up to you like, Do you need help? I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> like, my boat's upside down, you know? Um and then, uh, so yeah, we're like sitting on the beach, like traumatized children, you know, like, do we need you to call your parents? <laughs> My dad used to drop me off on this whaler, like at the Lawn Tramp in Cabrillo. And he used to like send us out. See ya son. We're going to San Clemente Island today. 17 foot whaler. Dude. My parents never knew where we were. <laughs> you know what I mean? They had no idea. Yeah, so I was like, "Hey, you need to call your parents." I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little story about that in a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the just came and like towed the boat off the beach, and I remember my bow rail just ripping out of the hull. You know, the thing was upside down, and the bow rail was like supporting it on the rocks. And we like righted it and they brought it in. I ended up rebuilding my little whaler without the bow rail, but we, <laughs> we rebuilt everything, put, a, put like a new engine on it or we just cleaned the engine out. Yeah. It actually ended up like being good and I sold the boat and somebody's still using that boat like happily, successfully to this day. The boat got rebuilt real well. We fished like another tournament season on it. It was, I love that boat to death, but we had like a, we had like a 50 gallon, 51 gallon aluminum tank. Uh, under the leaning post And, and we ran that boat To Clemente like 50 times
1: Fuck dude
0: So like, we were Yeah I seen that your channel tri- Even
1: your yeah. trips You were in that boat huh? yeah,
0: my dad, Like I said My dad would drop me off At Cabrillo <laughs> And he like No reasonable parent Would ever let their kids Do what we were doing <laughs> Like no, oh alright See you later son I'll be back When are you gonna be back Oh we'll be, you'll be back At like 10 at night We would run this channel And like circumnavigate The island And this was every weekend we would do this every weekend. Fuck, dude. We would run the channel. Me, like Jeff Walker, Jared, had all these kids. And we would run the whole backside. And we would leave Pyramid Head and like watch the sunset like in the channel. We'd be running Shit, in pitch black. Dude. Some days like the most really semester. Did some you have life. GPS and everything? Yeah, then? we had GPS. No radar. Yeah. And we would just be taking it like sopping wet to the core. You wear like Fuck. two sets of slickers, five jackets, and you would be shivering. You'd come in. <laughs> And I'd be like, "Oh, good fishing today." It's like you don't even know, you know? <laughs> oh my god, looking—it's a—it's a small miracle that we, like we never died. We never wore a kill switch. Are you kidding me? You know, uh, it was crazy, crazy. Yeah. But that was like a formative thing that like shaped the rest of my life. Yeah. We just went for it.
1: Yeah. We Just dude. went
0: for it. What else were we doing? That was our life, man. We went.
1: And back then, you would Com- never see calm seas. Command. Never make a good captain, right?
0: <laughs> we would we would be coming back from the east end east end of Klamenny to the east end of Cat. In just the worst weather you'd ever seen. Like, terrible, 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 terrible weather. And it would be like... And this is a 17-foot whaler. There was a day, I remember one of the tournaments, one of the S, the COCs where we had to fall Mike Lane and Scotty P. back. And it was like small craft advisory, you know? And we're These bay boats are just out there just smashing their way across the channel. And it's like, it's a wonder why all these boats have spider cracks all over them, you know? Fuck,
1: man.
0: Crazy stuff. And, yeah. and that's like saltwater bass fishing. The amount of crap we went through to catch like a five-pound fish was was stupefying you know but it was cool it was so much fun i i really i appreciate it for what it was i genuinely to this day like that was that was the formative experiences of my youth was crashing that channel
1: yeah
0: you know and dumping a boat on the beach (laughs) and i know you want to hear the time that i broke my head exactly
1: that's the next question
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um well, have you ever been airlifted off Catalina Island? I've never been oh, airlifted. Period. I don't think. I think <laughs> I'm the first solid bass angler to ever be airlifted off Catalina Island. That's my claim to fame. Fuck. So this is back in the day where my diet consisted entirely of like Sour Patch Kids and Rockstar energy drinks. Right. Oh, my God. I was like a malnourished child. All right. <laughs> Trust me, I was. But like, I was high on, I was high on sugar, you know, and like. High fructose corn syrup, like five <laughs> varieties of sugar. Um, but uh, I was out there with Jeff Walker. And Jeff's running the Native Sun. You guys want to go to a sport boat? Go fish with Jeff on the Native Sun. Kid's a stud. Awesome. Swear to God.
1: Or you could do me a favor and try to get him
0: on here. Dude, I next time I come back, I'm gonna come back with all these, all the kids, all the, the, well, the crew. Well, it'd be cool. Team I'm Bass trying. I'm trying to
1: get a sport boat guys too. And I and, love and, you your know. show. We'll be back, I promise. <laughs>
0: awesome. This, this is so fun.
1: Team Bastic all the way. That'd be great. Oh People would love that the, shit, the, dude. the OG Bass Boys. There you go. Wow. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're out there. We're fishing the west end of and it's you know it's like deja vu all over. Now, I dumped my boat on the beach like two weeks after this event. It was a bad. It was a bad month. (laughs) I think. I think I was just like that. Was like my that was my first of my early life crises. I was like on a war path. And you're at what 19? I have to fish closer. I must challenge death. It almost got me. I'm gonna take it this time. No, I was yeah. uh, So we're out there fishing the west end of Clemente pretty close to where I think Bobby was fishing. Mm -hmm. And we look over, and here comes like a big roller out of the west. And Jeff, Jeff was driving the boat at the time. And I look at Jeff and I say, Jeff, we got to go. We got to go, Jeff. You know, Let's do my best high-pitched voice impression. We got to go. Go, Jeff, go. And just like, oh, my gosh, okay. And he drives and I'm standing on the bow like rod in hand. And I just remember we're just charging out. He like hammers the throttle a little nineties He's just pushing. We're probably jumping up to, like 25 knots. And this thing's charging out. And this thing's rolling in. It's not quite cresting, but it's big. And at the last moment, I look back. I say, Jeff slow down and we launch off this thing fucking like, launch like miami vice huh? like Vi- miami Vice, <laughs> and we we had so much vertical free fall yeah that all the rod holders and our vertical rod holders flew out that's Fuck and dude. i just went up the boat came down and little salve was like 15 feet higher Fuck i came dude. down on that deck so hard I, it, it basically knocked me out i was like halfway conscious and I'm like a small child, trust me. I am like a brittle little, like, I am I'm like a little songbird, you know, <laughs> that got like hit by a cat. I'm like just barely hanging oh, in the mirror. Um, and, uh, and Jeff, I still remember Jeff goes up and he looks at me and says, get up, pussy you know, like classic. Of like, course, that's what, of course, of course that's what your friends would tell you. Of course, that's what your friends would tell I'm like, ah, I can't even move. Ah, you know, <laughs> and we're in the middle of a tournament. This is like day one of a like of our biggest tournament of the year. We look forward to this for months. Like, yeah. you know, we drained our bank account to enter this thing. <laughs> we're going to win this year because we're, because we're, we're the best young anglers that ever lived. We're going to win this thing. You know, we've been pre-fishing <laughs> for two months, you know, it's day one. Uh, And I like, I remember a couple boats like came up to us because they were like curious as to why there was only one person on deck because I was curled up in a fetal position on the bow like, again, barely conscious. Uh, so we end up fishing the rest of the day and I'm like propped Ugh, up on the side dude. of the console like hobbling along, skeletal. Did you catch fish still? Yeah, we caught a really nice bag. <laughs> we, caught, like, we caught like a sub 20-something pound bag and we come back to the dock, we weigh our stuff and we're like in the top five on the f- first day of a two-day tournament. And... I remember we I start feeling kind of sick I'm all beat up And I'm hurting yeah. Trust me But now I'm feeling Like kind of nauseous And I'm like Jeff you gotta drop me off He drops me off on the dock And I like I like pass out on the dock Like, like unconscious like Pain conscious and shit, shit. Yeah. Well more just my blood sugar I think I was just Living off sour pa- It was a combination oh, of God. Like blunt force trauma And mal- malnutrition You know shit, Because I probably dude. ate Like nothing The rest of the day And I'm sitting here, like, the the Coast Guard comes down. They, like, take your, like, blood. They, like, do some tests. They're like, your blood sugar's, like, plummeting. Your blood pressure's plummeting. We got to get you out of here now. They throw me in the back of, like, one of their lifeguard boats and drive me to Avalon. They take, like, x-rays in Avalon. And they're like, you've got a fractured pelvis. And your ribs are not looking too good. And, like, we can't keep you stable. So, you know, next thing I know, I'm on, like, a $30,000... Helicopter ride The Torrance Memorial Spent like three days In the hospital It's scary But it's like The nature of bass fishing Can be gnarly and, and there had been close calls before that, and I kind of felt like we, we kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, you know? And then you got to get slapped around a little and figure out that you're maybe pushing a little bit too hard. Yeah, dude. And then you got to, like, hit the reset button and, and change your approach a little bit, because you can't dump two boats. That's like a career, right? <laughs> You know? You can dump one. I think everybody's allowed to dump one, but who's dumped two? No you twos. Know? No twos. No twos allowed. <laughs> you know? but I. So I got hurt. I mean, I don't think I was... There's people who have come closer to death. Yeah. yeah, we got lucky. We got really, really lucky. But like when, when we did dump our boat, where we dumped our boat, it was like in a pretty safe spot. It was like on a beach, you know. It couldn't been way worse. If you do that, call many, you're you're screwed. There's a lot of places on this Fuck coast. In the way Bobby says, dude, Bobby, that's like a, that's a
1: Navy Seal. Like we, they should have made a TLC show about it. Oh, they call him the Rocketeer. That's his new name. Everyone call him the Rocketeer for now on. Bobby's <laughs> a great guy, man. You know what, Bobby.
0: I'll tell you, Bobby's somebody who I haven't talked to that much in the last few years, but Bobby did a lot to help Jeff and I when we were in saltwater bass fishing. I give him a lot of credit.
1: Very nice guy, dude. He's Everyone, a super
0: yeah. nice guy. He actually let us borrow his boat multiple times in tournaments when we didn't have a boat. because oh, cool, Bobby's a super cool guy. I remember one night we almost sunk his boat too. <laughs> oh,
1: I was, fuck. no. no, no. We Does were, Bobby know this? No, he
0: knows. <laughs> it was like a big deal. We were on the, we were on the radio like, Mayday, mayday. We <sighs> were running down to like the, we were running down it it was a nighttime tournament and it was rough as hell and we were running and one of his through holes, his bait pumps broke off one of the through holes. Oh, so we're running for like a long time and we stop and then you realize the boat's like full of like 700 gallons of water. Like the whole oh, inner boat has all fuck, flooded. Dude. So we ended up getting it into Newport Harbor. Like it wasn't our fault. It was just like, it was just it circumstantial. Happened. It happened. We actually saved the boat, but that boat could have sunk on, uh, off Newport Beach at midnight. Wow. It, it very well could have. We luckily we made it into Newport. We called an emergency pump out and we got all the water out and everything was A-okay. But yeah. like that boat could have sunk that Scary, night. Scary, dude. It came close. You know, yeah. but that's, these are skiffs. These guys are hammering these skiffs in an angry ocean at times. Yeah, the Pacific Ocean is no joke. Damn. You know, it'll kill you real fast. Yeah, and it's like you guys are going out there and doing like two hundred mile open water round trips in bay boats. These bay boats are not designed for this. These boats are all built out east. These boats are not designed to to charge these open water channels. These boats are designed to fish like the in the the estuaries and in the inland waterways of Southeast Florida and in Texas and. You know, Alabama and Louisiana. Yeah. These boats are not designed for, you know, these the, 60 mile open ocean runs. Yeah, realms. definitely. So, Even running on the island, shit. Definitely. Yeah. Man. But, dude, I, I look you know, overall, I look back at the Solder Bass days. Those are the most formative days of my career. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the SWBA, if it wasn't for the people in that tournament. And yeah, there was a lot of like negative energy at times, but there was so much positive energy that came out of it too. And, and I feel like I know I'm forgetting names. Matt Moyer, what a great guy, you know? Yeah, Straight up, great guy. You know how many nights I talked to Matt Moyer and was just like, man, like, thank you for this great life advice, you know? Thank you for being a good person, Yeah, you know? There were so many people, like an endless list of people who I really appreciate as people. And, and maybe I haven't always had a chance to say like, thank you personally or individually as, as, as an adult or where I am in my life right now.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, even people who maybe I had a falling out with at times, a lot of good, those people provided me with at other times. Yeah. You know, there was controversial elements. You're going to hear about it. Every time you interview anybody who went through the whole saltwater (laughs) bath circuit, you're going to hear it. I know you have, you know, there's drama, 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 but you know what? There was a lot of good. And everybody who might have brought at times an element of negative energy also brought a lot of positive energy at other times. Everybody played good roles. There's no evil person. There's misunderstandings, but there's no evil.
1: I think it's a great way to end the fucking podcast, Evan. Is that a great way to end the podcast? Yeah. That could be it. Hey, um, let's talk about one thing. Is Yeah. Local to Orange County right here, Okay, what's your tackle shop? I used to really like save on tackle before Roger left. Uh, (laughs) If
0: you want like bad stuff and like good technical knowledge, I think performance tackle does a really good job. Uh Um, Fisherman's Landing in San Diego, uh, they're kind of like my home shop right now because I keep my boats there sometimes. I think Rick and the guys down there do a really fantastic job providing like good, more of like a a pelagic emphasis. You know, if you're like a long range guy or somebody who's running that. Melton Tackle, Angler Center in the OC, uh, if you're like a Marlin a Marlin guy and you're looking for some of the more uh, Angler technical Angler Center, stuff.
1: too, they're, uh, uh, the new manager, Comron. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's cool. Uh,
1: I met him the other day. Yeah, they, they have more bass stuff, too, guys. If you guys want to check it out, dude, they got a lot of uh, um, stuff for Calico, yeah, too. Yeah, if you're a
0: bass guy,
1: um,
0: and I know I'm going to be forgetting some shops here. If any shop that still exists, a mom and pop shop, it's like, trust me, you guys got to support these guys because yeah. if they're still in the fold at this point in the game, like, Give them some love. You know, if you've got a neighborhood shop a mile away, like don't drive 10 miles. Just give it to the guy right next door exactly. if he's competent at all. If he's a nice guy, you know. Uh, if you're a bass guy, it's going to be like performance tackle or salmon tackle Yeah, um, up north here. Maybe <clears throat> like Angler's Choice in San Diego or Fisherman's Landing in San Diego. If you're uh, like a tuna guy, uh, it's going to be like Melton's AC. um, or Fisherman's Landing, and again, I know this. I know there's like the Longfin, and all these other guys. These are the places that I go personally. Because That's I what live, we like, want to know. Today. Yeah, definitely. go there uh, if you're like a, a hardcore. If you're trying to like outfit a boat, like heavily outfit a boat, mm-hmm. like top to bottom, all the nuts, bolts, and whistles. It's either gonna be Fisherman's Landing or Melton's tackle. Perfect. But AC is own. Uh, Melton's owns AC, so you can work through Angler Center. And, like, Jeff Pack and those guys down there. Yeah. Jeff, I think's over at, at Melton's now. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends work at Fisherman's Landing or Melton's Tackle, the conglomerates, Melton and AC.
1: Yeah.
0: So, bottom line, just support people in the industry who support you, you know? If you have people who give you some love, show you some love, show you respect, like, yeah, just give them some love back. It's really hard to make a living in the fishing industry, you know? And that's, like, I respect everybody's hustle, you know? And that's, like, going back to the social media thing. Like, everybody's hustling there right now. Like, if you're somebody trying to come up, you got to play that game and you got to hustle, you know? It ain't going to be handed to you. Nothing's going to get handed to you in this world, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, just show love to your to your compatriots,
1: you know? Whether what about uh, sponsors, too? I don't want you to forget any sponsors you have.
0: Right now, I... <clears throat> I mean, I've been like Pelagic for 10 years. You know, there was a point where I was like, yeah, I would jump around. I would take all the sponsorships. I really liked having the logos on the jersey and I liked having the rap boat. Um, Right now, I think that sponsorship, while it's important to an extent, uh, if they're not paying your bills, I think that the sacrifice you have to make from an integrity level is too much to pay if that makes sense. Like, oh, dude. You know what great I mean? Said, yeah, said great. Because, like, I, I, again, kind of going back to what I was earlier, where it's like, hey, if you got to support your family, you got to do what you got to do. This is the real world, man. We have real bills and real responsibilities. So I'm not going to ever slight somebody for trying to make a living in a hard industry like the fishing industry, right? True. I'm not going to slight somebody for trying to do that. There might be a good way to do it, and a slightly less good way to do it. and maybe a way that you shouldn't really be doing. But at the end of the day, you got to decide as an individual what's right and what's wrong. Uh, from a sponsorship level, right now in my life, I'm trying to remain kind of impartial with it. I'm going to fish what I want to fish. That way, I kind of maintain my integrity, you know? Like, if you've had like three or four rod or real sponsors, like, then who really cares what you're saying is the best? It doesn't mean anything anymore. You've already sold your integrity, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Like, if you're repping a jig company that makes a jig that, like, is pretty common knowledge among, like, a professional circle that just jigs just don't really swim as good as they used to, then you're selling your integrity, you know? It's one thing if the people are nice and they're giving you stuff, and it's a friendship. That's one thing. But you can't go out there and unequivocally say that this is the best product unless it is unequivocally the best product. Otherwise, you're sacrificing integrity. So, right now... I'm putting an emphasis on the other sides of the industry, which is like my own personal progression, which is the progression of the people who, who I work with professionally. Like I was saying, like my partners, the, the boats that I work on, mm-hmm. the guys who I'm building programs for, their needs are my top priority. These guys are, these guys are who I'm living for right now. Professionally, it's not yeah. necessarily these companies, you know, if I'm, I want to do more YouTube stuff this year, you know, I'm trying to with our Western waters cause I know people appreciate that stuff and I am actually trying to make an effort to to, to put out more content with my, my buddy Seth, who helps me with the filming, and Will Derrick and, and Zach Zorn and those guys. Yeah,
1: Will's fucking cool shit, man.
0: With with that platform, I really don't want to make it like a product-centric platform where it's like, hey, this is brought to you by blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I really want to keep it more real, you know? Because I think what we do on the ocean is cool enough as is. I don't think that you really need to juice it up, you know? Call it how you see it. Call it how it is. Nobody wants to be sold things. Nobody needs some, I mean, I know people are looking for guidance when it comes to like buying new products, but it just gets a little redundant. It's like, this is the 10th time you've posted something about like your favorite rods or favorite. (laughs) It's like, we get it, you know, (laughs) tell us something that like, isn't tell us something that's real sincere, something that really feels meaningful, you know, and maybe it's not even saying anything at all. Maybe it's just what you're showing with your arms and your hands and, your life you know maybe it's just living
1: man well said bro thanks for coming on
0: dude thanks for having me nick i really appreciate this <laughs> this is so fun i don't even know how long we've been talking uh, really almost two hours but i need two one, hours oh i need God. one
1: thing for you All right, that i really want to hear you say let's do it quality models bro yeah
0: that's a chunker of chunk it's a quality model hey. Hey, 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 hey
2: it's a quality model guys this is a quality
1: model <laughs> oh you that's great dude, thanks was, again bro dude, for coming on uh bring the team on dude it'll be fun hey, times Yeah, i'd love to come back sometime yeah this is for a great sure time. thank you man all right thanks for listening guys